this paper. Hello, my name is I'm Thomas with Leatherman Art, and this is the KAANP, the Knoxville Area Artist Beautiful. Networking Platform. Yeah, you know. And uh, uh, here we talk to artists player, but we can talk. <laughs> about themselves, the art they make, <laughs> and where they make it kind of my intro the other day. So yeah, so if you like stick around, you know, give us a listen. It's, it's whatever. Enjoy the show. Ashton, dude, it is good to sit down and actually like see you for like five seconds. Hi, brother. Oh man, wow. I was just we were talking a little bit earlier, and I was thinking I felt like I needed to go back home and sort of revisit the past or to reconnect with my family. You know, with with the area itself, literally. And uh, I was just—it's been like a good 10-year chunk of, like, um, whirlwind life. I mean, it's just like... You get caught up in it. Just quick. Just move on, move on, move on. And then so recently I felt like uh, coming back to something. Oh, yeah. The last time you and I spent a good chunk of change together, you were still in school here at UT mm-hmm. and living, I guess, on campus, and I was living on campus along with some other sordid friends of ours that made their way down to UTK Knoxville. Yes. Uh, speaking of which, that parade was like a uh, hop, skip, and a jump over the hill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Steve Steve Harvey lives just up the road as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, I, love it, I love how these Hancock County <laughs> people have kind of stuck together unknowingly, even in, you know, the comparatively large town of Knoxville. Wow. You're right, man. Knoxville is like. As I mean big as it seems, it's still kind of small. It's it's oh yeah, in the bigger scheme of things, I mean it's a little mm, tiny mm. town. But for us, when we we grew up yeah, from, it's we, like when woo. we were 18, 19, 20, <laughs> like getting out of Sneedville and going to Knoxville for the weekend, it was like, oh shit, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, and like that's that's just the scope of the world we had at mm-hmm. the time, and it, it was it was fun like fucking people out of Sneedville society and just be like, come spend a weekend with us in Knoxville and, and just see what happens. <laughs> it felt like when um, sometimes because there's so many characters where we come from, like it's it's almost like to me, I think like there's a a per capita of characters in a place and there's a lot of them there. Mm-hmm. So it's funny to see Knoxville people go to Sneedville and Sneedville people go to Knoxville Yes, that are, you know, really sort of entrenched in their own world in a way. It's funny. It's like Ninja Turtles and <laughs> Power Rangers. <It's laughs> they did do a crossover I mean, series, you know. They have fought together, and it's great. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it worked. You know what I mean? It's, it's cool. Really we're, we're making it work here. We, we're all over the place. I mean, I'm sure. You know. So, <laughs> so when when you first moved to Knoxville, you were doing, uh, you were majoring in bass, right, if I remember correctly? So, my uncle was playing with Rusty Holloway who is the string bass and electric bass professor at UT, and he got me hooked up with him when I was about a junior in high school. And I went to Knoxville and studied with him, and uh, he's he's one of the characters in your life that it's like before and after in a really good way. So he was that for me when I first got out of high school. He was like my um, mentor. mentor. He was your sensei, your musical sensei? Yeah, he definitely was. And uh, he still is. We talk from time to time still. But uh, that was the first thing I was doing. Was I was immersed into studying music and playing bass. Just eyes first. Yeah. Eyes first. And and did 
you end up double majoring in bass? I did. This is really funny. It's like almost like a clothes that don't match or something in a way. <laughs> but you sk- you c- as you zoom out a little bit, you get to see how it works, right? But like when I first, because I listened to bluegrass, we listened to rap and everything. Sneaky, we weren't really listening to jazz or classical music oh, per ja- se. Jazz and you funk and I mean? blues kind of don't exist in Sneakville society somehow, unless you're just mm-hmm. like at somebody's house flipping through the records yeah. <laughs> that have the dust on them. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not, we don't, I didn't grow up listening. Well, I d- actually, funny enough, I found a, at a flea market, <laughs> found some soul hits that I really listened to when I was younger, but not commonly, right? Yeah. So I went, so back to the story about the, I went to school to study jazz and classical music. Yeah. Funny. The things you weren't exposed to uh, organically at home. No, we like Willie Nelson, you know, gospel music, Waylon Jennings, you know, all the country, old school country cats, you know. And anything on, like, the radio. So what was a formal music education experience like? Because that's a question I can ask you specifically that I haven't had a chance to ask any of my guests yet because I know you went to school formally for music, Mm -hmm. so I really want you to tell me about that. All right, so I get off, well, <laughs> I wanted to say I get off the tractor because that's how they described me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I um, got there, and, man, I probably stuck out like a sore thumb because the first day I went to school in Knoxville, I was the only guy that did not have a backpack. I That was like a small thing that I remember when I first got to school. Everybody but me had a backpack, and I carried my books I just in my hands. I don't know if I, my long arms or what it was. Like, maybe I didn't have any when it was high school, but everyone had a backpack, and I looked around like, I think I'm going through something. <laughs> but everybody had a backpack but me, the little boy from Snoop. You know, but and you knew <laughs> what a backpack was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing we didn't have in Sneedville except for just, like, I mean, everything was there, the whole and if it wasn't you within know. city limits, we had excess driving out of the county. Yeah. So we, I mean, you could you could get it if you wanted to you make it happen. Yes, you. There was yes. So when I got to school, studying music, and I was a little kind of country guy, and I mean, people made fun of you for that, but for the most part, everybody else kind of was too, <laughs> and, and just in their own way. It's a different yeah, story. And if right. you weren't that like the kind of country we're talking about. You were a different kind of something because UTK pulls so many people from all over the globe. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like it you're gonna really you're does. gonna get exposed to a lot of different people and their interpretations of their home cultures. So it really is, you know, to to be cliche about it, it's it's a pretty big melting pot of, of society as far as college goes. Right there in East Tennessee. Yeah, who'd have thunk? Like our, you know, that's funny. East Tennessee's got this. This 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 very diverse subculture that isn't really recognized by a lot of the the main culture in this side of the state. You're right. I never. I don't think I. You see, yeah, it's good medicine. <laughs> it, the whole it is good medicine. Area, it's good medicine. So, in your in your except for the parking ticket. Uh, yeah, except the parking ticket. Um. So what? What really stood out most to you about your education? Was it the people you met, the, the other musicians you got to come to know? Because I know you met a few that that we've both befriended, and uh, you know, the 
the variety of influences I, I'm, I'm supposing you could pull are immense. Yeah, the Columbia Music School quick. Sorry, I, I completely rushed over there. I'll, I'll answer both of those. The people were interesting. Some of them were really boring. I think it was all like all of these kids from like my band that had been practicing since they were really young. Some, like me, were just kind of really starting out and just had like a um, the professors, I mean, I feel like there were some really, there are still and were, some have retired now that I studied with, uh, some of the best directors and musicians in the whole entire world going on. I, like that's what I'm saying with the Good Medicine of Knoxville. We have so many wonderful things going on at UT, a lot of good things. It's the flagship university of the state. I mean, yeah, it's, it's got, it's not, you know, uh, so the professors there, I mean, I literally, like, that's what I meant when I said I jumped eyes first. It was like, oh my goodness, like you, and you hear all these things about how, you know, oh, he's played with, uh, it's like Perlman, or he's played with, um, Leonard Bernstein, who are in the classical world, you know what I'm saying, like icons and the jazz world, the same thing. And some of these people had played with. You name it, like common, um, yeah. you know. So, and you know me, just being like, I just want to learn how to play music for a living, and so it's just, it was wild. That's why I'm so <laughs> colorful. I just very so I many things I want to say, colorful. but yeah. Um. So, who who are some of the people you found there then that influenced you then and now? Do you have any good influences from from college that you still stick with? You mean like a or just any I, anybody that anybody. has has flavored your artistic output in some form or fashion I would say yeah crank that thing dude it doesn't like go. the behavior there we go <laughs> uh, I would say well definitely rusty was um, a big influence because he was the kind of guy that you, you really had to report back to you know you, yeah. he really made you follow up with Everything that you did, he was really one of those characters, like I said, that is Yoda. He is your guy. He is the man that you, you know, he if he said, and this is a direct quote from him, if he said, hold the bow with your teeth, like I was playing with, like <laughs> with a bow, like upright bass, <laughs> he said, you do it. And I did. And I did whatever he told me to do to my best. If he heard that, he probably said, <laughs> but but you tried because the man you respected said it. I, I, I respected him a lot, and I respected everybody. I literally, you know, like I was saying a little bit earlier, like going back to my roots or something like that, you know, I felt like for a certain period of time, and I was thinking about this, I was not, not ashamed, but more like we were talking about like straight off the tractor, I felt like that a little bit in that place. Like I said, everybody had a backpack. Yeah. yeah something that small made yeah. me stand out and feel it. You know, like, everybody's uh, got a backpack. And I'm you <laughs> feel it way more than it looks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it, no one probably noticed or cared. It was just probably like. It's, a, it's the same you talk. Whatever he is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's. 
influences from school. Rusty, Rusty was one. I I think he was the main one. Also, in also the college period, we can, we can cuss and say whatever because okay. I mark this explicit. So you know, oh, okay, if people okay. get offended, it's on them because I warn them up front. <laughs> I just yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a Sugar Ray Robinson in it. I'm like I'm like an ambassador. I'm like halfway. I like to I like to I like to be like a good example sometimes and sometimes I'm not. Well, I'm just me. I have to be lo- me. As long as you're comfortable right now, it's all I'm good. I'm comfortable right now. All right. I know who I am a little bit better than a little I, bit better now. I used to. So, so I. There are things I want to know about your artistic output that I don't have the 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 candid rapport, I guess, with other people to talk about because I know you in in the fashion that I do. Um, man, when did like funk and R and B like bleed into your your ecosystem in your brain? Like, when did that happen? Well, well because. <laughs> One of the first times I ever met you or, like, spent any time with you was on the bus going over to Walter State for the tag program, and you just played the banjo the whole time and didn't talk to nobody. And I'm like, who's this asshole up there playing the banjo and not talking to nobody? <laughs> but, you know, I enjoy listening to banjo, so I didn't tell you to stop. But I was just like, man, Ashton, like, <laughs> you're cool. Let's have a conversation, but put the banjo down for a minute. I want to talk. <laughs> like, but that was the first time I've seen you do that, and then I know what influences were around when we were going up. And I found myself more heavily leaning towards funk and R&B and soul music lately, you know, in the last four or five years. And you were on that track about the time I was discovering that track. So how did that bleed into your, like, creative output? So when you said when I was playing the banjo, when Oh Brother, Where Art Thou came out, that was like a rebirth of – that changed the whole face of music in a lot of ways. But I started playing the banjo because of that movie – and then I that quote that movie all the time. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. It's <laughs> terrible at work. We really <laughs> quote that all the time at work. Oh man, it's it's one of the all time favorite films. Mm, yeah, I try to it's watch hilarious. it a couple times a year. Oh, damn, we're in a tight spot, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like it, George Clooney. I thought he sung that. Oh, you know, uh, it's so convincing on film. And then you know, if we think about it, when I was in like fifth grade or something or third grade, Pam Wolf, who I thought about the other day. Yeah. Shout out to her, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like she started us all in music. I'm just thinking about yeah. She was she was a, an excellent musical influence on in yeah. the Hancock County Elementary mm-hmm. uh, music scene because it uh, like that whole music program was her baby because she was the only music teacher and she made us do everything. She was serious. Yeah, she was good and she was serious. Yeah, a great great educator with the tool of music. She she did wonderful. I'm thankful for the the time I had in her classroom for sure. That's powerful. Like, that's what I'm talking about with going back to the roots. And, yeah. and it's like those kind of influences that are easy to forget, but, you know, they're they're foundational roots. Yeah, exactly. And God bless her for that and forever. Yeah, exactly. Yes, bless her for that. Um, she had to put up with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a, sometimes a double-edged sword. She's such a, she was such a big influence on me that I want to, like, but she was serious. She, yeah, she, there she was, was no playing around. You could not be lollygagging I mean, yeah. in that class. And you, if you were off time, she'd tell you. <laughs> she, but that that was really cool that that was going Tied on. Tied up. Tied up. Well, I'll my, no, my thing I meant up. her. She would tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that, so leading up to the R&B funk thing was, that was the musical, I guess music had always been a part of my life. But leading about, when I was in middle school, I got, like I said, I went to the flea market, and I got some funk. Like, I, I'd seen it, like, on one of these lifetime commercials where it's like, you 
best songs of the 70s, you know, all the, like, love-making songs. It's you know, 15 like CDs, 40 yeah. hours of music. Like and, you know, it was oh, it was all Barry White, Marvin Gaye, Donny Hathaway, Teddy Pendergrass. I know, man, so that's my, I've got friends who kind of, like, stick in certain periods of time with music. They say, well, I like the 20s to the 40s, you know. Yeah. I like yeah, this 80s music. I really love the 60s and 70s going on into the 80s. I really have a passion for that style of soul music. I really love the James Brown, the whole thing of that era. It really turns me on because uh, I listened to that music, and it was just like, I don't know what it is, but it hit me in my like guts, yeah, man. Dude, and then I listened to that time. stuff, man. I loved it. I don't know what – I'm sort of a sentimentalist, too, and that love music is just like – I don't know. I, I, you know. I mean, it comes out of you. You cool. play it. You do play it. Cool. cool. <laughs> I really appreciate that because I, 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 think I'm a little more in touch with my emotional side than most men. <laughs> I'll say that. I, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I love that music for some reason. Uh, it, if you're paying attention and if you have that drop of empathy in you and that music doesn't strike you, there's something wrong with you because that music is fine. Fine music. <laughs> Uh, uh, my partner and I, we do we do this thing on the weekends when we're cooking breakfast called the James Brown Breakfast <laughs> Dance Party Spectacular, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll be bebopping around the kitchen to some James Brown on the smart speaker and cooking breakfast, dude. For you know, <laughs> like it'd be it'd be an hour, ninety minutes, two hours, whatever we're cooking for breakfast, awesome. you know, and we'll just dance around the kitchen and listen to that fucking soul music because <laughs> whatever comes on the James Brown radio on Spotify is what we jam to, man. It's great. It's always good. I don't know how you could start morning better. Than uh, funk music with some like uh, biscuits and gravy, a little bacon on the side. Oh, dude, it, mornings don't get better than that. They really don't. Saturday, like nine thirty, you start cooking breakfast, turn on some funk, dance around the kitchen. Ham mm. hot. You know what? That, you know yeah. what George Clinton said about soul? What do you say? About he was <laughs> George Clinton. He was <laughs> up on the stage about nineteen sixty nine. He said, "What is soul?" And the guy said, "I don't know. Tell me, brother." He said, "Soul." Is a ham hock in your cornflakes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So music does that. It uplifts people. It's good music to eat breakfast to. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever fuss, dude. I, I, and we'll sit here and we'll let that play for hours after that just because it keeps rolling and the tune is there. And, you know, you just feel it. There's my dog. But uh, it's, it's just one of those things. It's got an undeniable groove to it if you try to fight it too bad. There's just no, there's no good way to just. It's in the name, so. Yeah. It gets into your soul. Well, me not. being a redheaded person, that's kind of a conflict, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know. So, so let's see. After school, uh, okay, so after, you know, you sort of moved away from Knoxville and, and landed in Nashville, what, mm -hmm. what did you get into? Because that's where we kind of parted ways a little bit. What happened once you got into the big town of Nashville? Got into the big town of Nashville. So, I. After college, I, I was in Knoxville, and I just hustled five years. You know, just did hard too, because I went to plenty of them shows. Had a grand mm -hmm. old time. I uh, that peaked around two years after that. About 2017 was like, um, I think I played 300 gigs in this town, in Knoxville. In the, on that calendar year. On the in town. Yeah. That's in town. Like That's probably I, more I than was anybody doing else four. That year. Oh, no, no, brother. I was the most working musician in Knoxville in 2017. <laughs> nobody, nobody. I challenge any man, woman, dog, anybody, anything in the world to beat me on 2017 Knoxville gigs. Nobody can do it. Nobody. <laughs> I was playing four a day at times. 
four four gigs. Where? Let me tell you what a Sunday yeah, would be let's like let's for let's me. Let's hear that. I want to hear that. What's a Sunday? Um, so Saturday, let's say I play a wedding. Let's just build up to Sunday. Sa- Friday, of course, I'm always playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, always. And you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday gig, cool. Rehearsing all those days. A Saturday gig would be like I'll play a wedding Saturday. Could play something in the middle of the day. Done it before. Um, always playing at night. Could play two gigs at night, depending on if one place has me from eight till ten or seven to ten. To and I have places that have you from ten to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Nashville's four hour slots. It's different. Got to work three down there. Sunday, I w- I have remembered having church gig, theater gig. Um, I remember actually at Christmas time it was like this a lot. Church gig, theater gig, played a Mike McGill's which is a Knoxville legendary event, by the way. Grateful to be have played that. Knock Mike McGill's Christmas, annual Christmas um, giveaway drive that he does for the kids in town. And then I played at Preservation Pub later on a Sunday night. Played four gigs in a day. I think I'm, I may have played five in a day before. Is that is that the record? Five gigs in a day? I believe that's – I'll never have topped five. <laughs> but Do yeah. you want to top five? That would be s- that would be some serious work. It's a whole lot of willpower. See, the, <laughs> the consequentially in 18 and 19 – This takes a huge energy investment. It's a lot of, yeah, just, I could, it's something that I just don't have the passion for anymore, like learning a lot of songs immediately. So, anyway, but Nashville was something similar to that in the, like the 2017 time where I had to use a lot of cognizance, willpower. I wasn't on autopilot. Yeah. I was really doing it. Really had to pay attention all the time. Just going, go, you know, going and trying to let people know I was alive. Like, hey, I'm in this town. You know, I'm going here to see people at uh, Layla's, Roberts Wrestling World, Acme Feed and Seed, um, these Country Lounge. Let's see. The American Legion is the co- okay. That's one of the coolest things. Yeah, let's hear that. Ever. What what's up with the American Legion? Wow, those guys have really got a really cool scene going on there in Nashville. It's really cool. Like every, it's it's sort of like, it, it seems to me like one of these microcosms of interestingness. You know, there's a place in Nashville called the Dive Motel, and you drive by it and you never think, but you look at the Instagram page, everything, and it's like 70s refurbished. You know, it's like if you just drive by the Legion and you never know, Something really special is going on there, and that is uh, guys Brendan Malone and Greg Gehring and, man, like Mark Thornton and just like, dude, so many great musicians there. Uh, I mean, my roommate, uh, Herschel, is plays with, with that band uh, as well, and whenever they've done Drummer John in previous, isn't in town. Um, and my roommate, when I first moved to Nashville, man, Herschel, if you ever hear this, you're the man, dude. <laughs> a lot of people had – it was really kind of spur of the moment. Like, I, I was just kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do. I just hopped out of a lease, kind of, you know, lived with my dad for about a month a- in August. And then September rolls around, and uh, I asked my friend, you know, like I said, I, as I've gotten to play more people from Nashville, I get to know more people. I asked my friend Frank if he had anyone that uh, – had room, and so I, I got hooked up with Herschel, and 
he got me. He let people know quickly that I was a player. Yeah, that you're no. I guy. really, you know, it's like all this, like wow, I got plugged in really quickly in Nashville, and then come one of my friends through Knoxville scene, Max helped me. You know, he he helped me get in touch with the Warren Treaty, and I got to play for them, and they, you know, wanted me to play bass for them, and. Blah 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 blah. Well, play a few gigs, and then the pandemic happened. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk story. about <laughs> the. Well, since you mentioned it, let's talk about the Warren Treaty. Yes. So that's your big professional gig. That's is that the stuff that pays the bills right now, or what? Partly, that is part of what pays the bills. Um, Bite Squad is helping do that as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, you know, for a long time, like I would say from a fifteen twenty fifteen till about twenty twenty. Beginning, I was able to pay the bill strictly with music. I, I insisted. I wanted to do it so bad, yeah. and I worked really hard, but and I was able to do it. I was able to do it. Yeah, it was Knoxville surprisingly has an incredible music scene, like tons of opportunities for you. Um, anyway, yes. Ask the question one more time. Elias. I'm sorry, I was like, is a bit what's what? Uh, how did you fall into the the Warren Treaty music scene? It was. Uh, I was out. When I first, I felt like I'd hustled really hard in Nashville for two months. You know, I was getting around with people. You know, everyone, I heard a guy say, everybody knows Ashton. Like one of the, one of the guys <laughs> who is like an OG. I was like, oh, uh, okay, Is that good. where we're at now? Great. I was like, great. I'm going to take a vacation. I had saved up some money to move there. Mm-hmm. Just And was going to say, well, I, I feel like I've had a good dose in Knoxville. I'm going to go to Nashville. was considering other places. Um, but Where I'm, else did you consider? I considered I'm the kind of guy, I've seen every state but Alaska. I've been to every single state, driven to most of them. I will get in my car and just go. I don't, okay, I just will, I'll just go, man. And I, I was thinking about, I like New Mexico a lot. I like Colorado a lot. I like the West a lot. wasn't really thinking the East Coast very much. But I, after considering a lot of things, I said, well, let's just try Nashville. It's a Music City, USA. It's mm. shoot. It's two hours from where I live. So I tried that, and um, when I was on a a tour out. Speaking of that, like I was out west, and my friend Max called me back in Nashville. Um, and he just said, "You know, do you would you like to audition?" I said, "Yeah, I'd like to aud- be interested because I've seen them play before, and I How really love their out- their act." Shot, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I was like, "Man, the Warren Tree." Yeah, dude. I, I've seen them play. I loved Warren Treaty. Like I've seen them play at the Bijou and several times, you know, or several times and the Bijou. And uh, so, funny enough, a year before that though, um, he had put me on a list. He needed to sub a gig out, and I wasn't able to be the person. But that's okay. But like you know, the fast forward a year later, got the opportunity. You were able to be that. Person. I was able to be the guy. And. Uh, like my playing and uh, asked me to join. I was like, yeah. Was that was that like a really nerve wracking conversation, or did you just like gracefully accept the opportunity as it fell in your lap? Or oh, they're straight up, man. Michael and Tanya are one hundred percent like human beings. They're fantastic. So I they love just them. came to you and said, "Hey, you want friends?" Play? Uh, <coughs> yeah. Like I went, I went to their, I went to their house and got in bass out. And we jammed. We just jammed. I mean, we, he didn't say, okay, uh, you know, it wasn't like in school where <laughs> I have a conductor or a piece of music. We just, we played music and hit it off and we talked and asked, you know, what would be X, Y, Z about how you feel about 
anything you go over in a, you know, how do you feel about going on the road? Yeah, a, a more you know? formal conversation. Right. Because they were opening for Al Green, another person I'd mentioned, yeah. like, that I'm like, the style of music that I love, to me, that's like, oh, man, like, when they call me up for a gig, I'm like, I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be there Monday. Yeah. I'm out in Idaho right now, but I'll be there Monday. I'm going to get in the car as soon as I am. Man, I'll, that that's partly paying the bills and Viet Squad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got to I think everybody should have a side hustle. So Viet Squad's all right. Dude, I, no shame in the game, man. No, no. So, so, what have have you done satisfactory creative output with the CD? Like, are you pleased with the things you've done with them? Are you happy being able to play them? I have. I played a one. Let's see, they had. Um, their new record that they just came out with, Hearts Town. I, I was lucky enough to play on one of their number number nines, guys. But listen to the whole record because it's all a great record. But I, I I played on one of the tracks, and that was really good. I loved it. I mean, I, he said we were talking about ideas, and I felt like Michael had a certain idea that he wanted, and I was like, you know, that's right up my alley. <laughs> like you just you, you are keep talking. I got you, you are, and he knows how to describe all this stuff exactly. You know, like a artistic way too but I, he let me know what he wanted and I, I was able to do it I, and I, he asked he's like yeah, I'm going to try it on upright and I'm like let me try this one more time <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I knocked but out it was I like think, I think I yeah. can do that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like my sound like what I do so so alright well what is your sound I'll tell you I'll tell you who I really love on bass okay I'll pr- so I'm a like I said I studied bass and which is sort of like there's uh, there's personalities that go along with instruments. There's I've outgrown being a bass player. <laughs> oh, I said it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like you. I don't know what it is, man. There's this, I used to be a bass player, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know what I'm trying to would say. You, would you say you're formerly a bass player? Formerly a bass player archetype. <laughs> archetype. Okay. Okay. But you're still known to pick up a bass every now and again. Oh, I I love playing it, but I'm I'm no longer what I would call I. I not the person um, one would label as a bass player these days. I feel like, well, we can talk about that, but the archetypes of a lot, I could go through those in <laughs> great detail. <laughs> but my here's my top five bass in no particular order. I really love Ray Brown, Pino Palladino, James Jamerson, Bootsy Collins, and probably Chris McBride. Like, those are my all-time. James Jamerson's book. There's a James Jamerson book out there that I, I read like, you know, a text. It's like it's coming in like sideways. You know, I back to front. For the bass. Down oh, my, you know, I was really proud. Down. I saw the pages on the back. I hadn't looked, you know, looked at the brown. I'm like, ooh, funky. <laughs> and they're falling out. And I'm like, damn. I like I've it. read this book enough. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's my the bass story pretty much. Uh, Played, I, you know, I'll say one more thing about the bass. I When I was studying in school, I literally was playing hard music on the instrument, like up on the fingerboard. You know, it's hard, mm. hard to like soloistic music. But I really, I'm not in shape to do that anymore. But I have gone, like we were talking about with that book. I've gone to lengths to study the instrument a lot, great lengths. Some Mandel technique, you know, jazz mm. studies, walking bass lines, fretless five string. You know, uh, I can just keep going on. So you put yourself through the paces. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got really, you know, this country boy like, 
went to the big city and like got schooled. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I got my I got pants, but <laughs> I think someday it'll take me to school. Right. Right. Hopefully. That's for sure. So, okay. Other than bass, one one of the questions I like to ask visual media artists is, what mediums have you used? What are you using right now? And what do you want to play with in the future? So we've already talked about you playing banjo. Did you play anything else back then other than the banjo? Um, had like a mandolin. We had a, like a guitar my brother bought. And uh, I kind of was interested in mandolin a little bit. Like like I said, my old brother worked out, came out. Yeah. Bluegrass was in there. It, it had a resurgence. Yes. So when Ralph Stanley toured after that movie came out, my dad took my sister and I to go see Ralph Stanley and the family band at the Rail Splitters, Rail Splitters Arena in, in at LMU. And I was at the same concert. And I had no idea. Like, I hated it at the time because I just I didn't understand how cool it was. I enjoyed it because it was a good show, but I didn't know how cool it was. But looking back on it now, I really wish I could go and give that experience the appropriate respect because I was just a dickhead, like 12 or 13-year-old. Oh man, my dad drug me down here too. Screw this. <laughs> but thinking back on that experience, I'm ex- extremely thankful that my dad drug my ass down there and yeah. let's sit here and listen to this damn music <laughs> because I should have. Yeah. On hindsight, I really should have. But I, you know, thinking back on it, I really, sh- I really should have enjoyed it. And and uh, in, I'm I'm happy to have had that experience, even it was the experience that it was, because I can think back now and appreciate it a lot more than I did at the time. Did it make you feel like a redneck when you went? Oh, Did man, you feel I felt like a redneck when I walked in. What are you talking about? You've always been an individual. I remember, like, when I was in sixth grade and you were in eighth grade, I was just like, you made me laugh so hard because you came to your mom's room a couple times. She's an awesome teacher. And, and she, she gave me my first paddling, and I still love you. I still love you, Miss Jessie. I, I will have to tell her. If she doesn't listen to she the podcast, listen to the podcast? I will okay. tell her. Okay. I'll so call her later. She was one of my mom's best friends, too. She was. And, uh, you know, she's awesome. Uh, but you came in and you made me laugh so hard, man. I'll never forget that. You've always been an individual. I'm sure at you were way ahead of I, the times. I, I bet you felt like a redneck. If you went to a bluegrass head. concert, you're like. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've grown you know. to appreciate those things now because, like, on, yeah, my, on my own time, in my own energy and desires, I have gravitated towards those those expressions of other people. You see the bigger picture, right? Yeah. It's not just like, everybody from Europe says, I sound like, you know, like. In the uh, what's the uh, blazing saddles? I'm like the yeah. old pioneer gibberish guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's UT again. You know, like you felt like that probably. Yeah, and I, I just there there are things that I was exposed to then that I didn't realize how cool they were because my worldview wasn't large enough to understand how cool they were. <laughs> and I'm I'm totally appreciative of the life experience that I've had since then that broadens my scope enough to appreciate those things yeah. when. When people thrust them on me back in the day, I just didn't have the worldliness as as a teenager to understand it. Mm-hmm. But now, it's I, like my my scope has broadened so much as far as musical interests and, and artistic pursuits and <laughs> all all those things. And and I'm wholly as appreciative as I can be. And I, I just I can't explain the polarity of the person I am now versus the person I was then from a from an expressive or introverted like these are the influences i wish to take in versus what i did then and i think the polarity is just one thing something you just said like 
the different versions of yourself. You know, I, going back to the maybe the, just being like sort of embarrassed maybe about being like a redneck or something. You know, like there's not a redneck, but you know, like somebody from the country who's like talked different than everybody else. You know, like being from a small town somehow. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you go somewhere quote unquote bigger, mm-hmm. you know, it, it you find it in your head whether it's a real thing or not. Mm-hmm. Or not, you find it. Yeah. Which I feel, I feel like I'm getting better at. Don't you feel like? Because what I'm saying is, you when you come home, you see that they weren't. The music wasn't bad. Like no, they weren't bad musicians. You respect it in its own it's way. It's just how I felt about it at the time, and the the human memory being the tricky thing that it is, making it seem like time doesn't exist sometimes. Uh, you know, like oh man, I felt like yesterday I was that asshole wishing I wasn't at that concert, and now I'm like, damn, I really shouldn't have been such a dick. Like mm-hmm. it's just. Being able to <laughs> see those things like side by side in your head is really it's it's an informative experience about who you were then and how you are now and how that's gonna last and stuff like that. So it's it's educational and enlightening if you know how to take it mm-hmm. as as a person. You know what I mean? And like you said, being from a small town and then going somewhere, like all of a sudden you're self conscious about things never self-conscious about in the first place when you were in your normal environment and now all of a sudden like i'm gonna go order mcdonald's and the person at the microphone gonna like make fun of my accent <laughs> like you know that that's a legitimate yeah. thing that i've yeah. thought and it's absolutely ridiculous because they don't care as long as they can understand you that i saw i thought that way mm-hmm. yeah it's just those weird things that th- those tricks you play on yourself sometimes i've learned that where you're from um I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be with – doesn't have to be interfering with where you're going. Oh, not at all. Because it, it can make you feel like you're chained down a little bit, like you're like – you're trying to escape your where you were raised. Or I mean, yeah. or, uh, it's part of who I am, you know, like I. I'm saying I. That's really what sticks out to a lot of people, just I. And – Instead of I, we use the Queen's English. I, I, I is pure. Ah, <laughs> not I. I always thought when people talk like I, I'm like, where are you from, California? You know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I. We say I. Yeah. <laughs> we we stress certain syllables and add certain others around here sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to talk about eggs or like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like those, those kind of things. And it, it's really funny. Like, I'll go hang out with my cousin, my uncle, my parents, you know, and really get around the people that are used to hearing that. And I'll talk like that. But if I'm just yep. out and about, like, chatting with customers in my day job, you know, doing, you know, going about society any other way, it, it that exchange doesn't happen the same. And I, I really have grown to appreciate when I can just, like, let my hair down and like mm-hmm. you know talk that shit around my family and just like let let the twang slip I guess dude you just said it it's it like sometimes you know you, you, when you get around your family you're just like no matter how long it's been you know if it's been like been doing something for a month you've been out and you just haven't seen your family for a week I mean you know whatever however long you come back and you're just like you know what it's this, like this feels really good relaxed there's there's a certain kind of relax that you don't get otherwise. And you know overhome people too. Oh, dude, overhome people. There's not many of us, but we know there's a thing, you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely like I, I really enjoy running in just needful people out and about in the bigger world, like you know whether mm-hmm. it be Morristown or Tazewell or Knox 
just look like every you just look around the place and you're just like ah ah yep you just point across the room and you make eyes and it's just like you you've been part of my background for so long you stick right out I know your yeah. song you know yeah. like or whatever mm-hmm. and it's really it's, <laughs> it's it's just so funny and and I can imagine this parallel is 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 something that happens for a lot of people you know regardless of where you're from and what you're doing now but now, when you're out somewhere and you see somebody you don't expect to see from the past and it's a good thing, yeah, it's a really fun, weird kind of kind of interaction. Because, you know, I've been out at your shows and, and other, you know, like random things in the social circle that we share. And mm-hmm. We've both seen people we didn't expect to see. Oh, just yeah. Like, and just run up and like group, you know, like, you know, just hug the shit out of them or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it that's fun. It really is because I really enjoy when the world gets small. I do too, yeah. and it kind of is. It is. It definitely is. It's, but it's when it gets smaller, because oh you're in yeah. conversation, you're talking with somebody, and they're like, "Oh, do you know this?" and so and so, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I know them real well," and you're just like, "Oh God, <laughs> the world is small." Yeah. Oh, I I just had a, a relation the other day that was like, "Do you know this person?" I'm like, "Yeah," they're like, "I was like, yeah, I've known them for so and so." Yeah, <laughs> like oh, you you put a lot of oh the webs we weave. Yeah, I know it's it's the the social circles we all hang out in can can get small real fast. That's where that's that that was like what we were talking about earlier with the Knoxville thing. It's like it ain't that big. No, it's really not. Uh, I I the business I work for hired uh, a new graphic designer a couple of weeks ago, and I got to talking about one of the city art projects I'm currently working on and she was like oh one of my friends is doing the same thing and then I was just like oh man shit that's me (laughs) (laughs) you talking about yourself (laughs) (laughs) the world is small indeed (laughs) so you know it just really cracks me up and then I know a couple other people involved in this same project and I'm sure if me and those four people sat around we could probably figure out who the other I don't know dozen people are that picked up this project for the Mm -hmm. city so it's 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 really entertaining when I can connect those dots because I look at it like this. I don't want to be in a room full of my friends and nobody know anybody. Because I want the people I know to know the rest of the people I know most of the time. Because, you know, I don't want to be in a room with my friends and nobody has anything to talk to Mm. about anybody real time. I don't want everybody to be sitting around looking at each other like, what the hell do we do now? We're all here because we know this guy. Like, no, y'all socialize. (laughs) Be comfortable. Do talk. Like, I don't. I don't want that. So mm, I like worlds it. collide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I still Same haven't thing. achieved such perfection, but I'm striving for it. They don't always mix. No, they don't, and I've learned that. <laughs> yeah. it, can, it can make some friction, but you know, I really do try to be in a room of a diverse crowd and like to watch them socialize, or at least try. I've recently uh, become a people watcher. I was never a people Wait, watcher. I never. You were never a people watcher. I was never a people watcher in my life until this year. So I never so watched. So what changed? Why are you now a people I just, watcher? Hey, man, 27. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I'm getting up there. Uh, now, nah, man, I'm like, just, uh, I have, okay. I recently had a conversation with someone where they were like, you really didn't. They, they took me to a new place. Like, uh, I went to the botanical gardens, and everywhere we go, I'm, I'm like, Oh yeah, I played this place. <laughs> oh, I played here before. I played a wedding here before. I played a busking gig here before. I played some strange situation. I played at Whole Foods one time. You know what I mean? What were you doing at Whole I, Foods? It was my band. 
the natural heat band. Was no, well, I guess so. It was something like the probably the, it was like a little jazz group, like a trio, <laughs> and it was I literally played in whole church. I've played everywhere in Knoxville, man. But I d- did not do anything else. Like I did not do anything else for about. Let's just say in the last ten years, I have been uh, kind of self-centered. I don't know. And I don't think I arrogantly. It's, I guess yeah. it's hard to watch people when you're staring over their head, right? I'm yeah. I was like ten steps in my own direction. Yeah. Whatever you know what I mean. Like, there's been a lot of you know a lot of moments where I'm just like, I don't know. How, okay, here's a phrase I learned in this. This guy has a, this hilariously really slick book goes along with my soul music loving. This guy named Iceberg Slim has this book called Pimp, <laughs> and it's <laughs> dude. The guy that reads it is the slickest cat ever. The way he talks like jive talk bullshit, whatever you want to call it. Is so awesome. It sounds like I, I, it's like you listen to it and you start. I don't know. It just sounds cool. Like um, this style of talking is just so cool. And um, I can finish out of my talking about like it's a yeah. But right before that, <laughs> sorry. I, I get so, your questions are so deep and they lead into each other that I like kind of go a little ahead sometimes and I have to back up. That's uh, awesome. We were, we were talking about uh, expression and or what what you've been working yourself in. And uh, I don't mean to cut you off. So, yes, I was off. And now I'm back to, I was 10 steps ahead of everybody going in my yep. own direction. There's been a lot of moments where, I just had to like move on top and below. That's what that was the phrase I wanted to remove from what I was saying on that little rabbit trail about the pimp book. Top and below. I was just like with gigs. I'll play with bands. Hey, if you fire me, I don't care. I can go. In a lot of, I'll, I'll, thanks, thank God. You know, like I don't have to learn your music anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, so and understand this. In doing all that and being like a hired gun, the one of the most, especially in 2017, 2016, 2018. Like, knowing everybody in all generations, old people, young people, the, you know, young bands, old bands, everybody in the middle, I've played with. Mm. I've played with them. I know it. Like, I, if you have played in Knoxville and you don't know, you know, if you're in a, in a band that's played any more than five times, I've either played with your band or you've I've shown you up at your gig, something like that. So, cop and blow, man. Like, I'm just a hustler in the game of music. Like, I just did that. And still doing a little bit, but, like, I'm not saying to me it was nothing and that I was like, but I was just like trained. I went to school and I trained how to do that. Like that's how that's what I learned to do. I learned how to eat and how to yeah. eat with my music. And you know, like I said about 2018, I started saying, well, it's a little one-sided. I was too left brain, if you will, or too analytical about my music. I needed. So in the last three years, I've been kind of become more emotional, more spiritual, more heart instead of head yeah. or butt you know ass whatever it's like oh and your ass in the music huh? yeah man <laughs> three dollar man you know <laughs> so <laughs> just <laughs> so, so after you got you know throwing the ass around in that music yeah what what do you want to do next instrument wise do you have instrument anything wise. you want to pick up soon i just got a guitar you just got a guitar yep. so you're gonna make 80s music then dude i i recorded a track the other night i got um oh, well i want to talk about the painter by the way but oh we'll yeah get there. We'll oh get we there. will um, I just, yeah, that, that's something I recently, I like to, um, 
Guitar Center won't let me buy anything there anymore. <laughs> Is it because <laughs> you go in there and touch too that, much stuff? That phrase, what? no, 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 no. Cop and blow. I would like take some of their instruments sometimes and like, cause I, I, it's not like I'm abusing their policy. I don't feel like I just felt like they thought I was doing it too much, but, but I was just like trying instruments out to like through my rig. I'm not gonna bring my rig into your place. So they were like, um, "We don't, we don't we want you to do this anymore." I'm like, "Okay." You don't have to do this. Yeah, when I was <laughs> like, it was civil, but it, well, I was like, "Okay." So, but <laughs> instrument wise, I bought a guitar, and I'm keeping it. There you go. But so, yeah. so, do you have any uh, specific aim with this instrument? Anything you're trying to accomplish, or you just trying to have fun? I'm still l- learning. So, 2018, there, like you said, there's, there's certain periods of time that, like, I remember. That's what it was the focus of my life. 2018 on, it's been kind of like learning how to sing better, learning how to, you know, do the front man thing. That was the first time I ever tried doing it. It was like May of 2018. I tried because I had a, a lot of people just say, man, you know, you would really be in, you do your own thing. Is that, they is could that see when it before. The, the natural heat band came to be? I just said, I'm going to book a gig and I'm going to sing songs and just be a front man. Yeah. Instead of being a bass player, I don't want to try something different. I'm tired of like, you know, being a side man. I've done it. All those opportunities, those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs that I've done over the time, you know, every year from the when I first started, I got more and more and more and more and more gigs until 300, 2017 or something. And it's like, I saw the good and the bad and the ugly of all, um, everything, like performance wise. Mm. You know, like I knew what made people tick. I could see out. I could see what made people. I knew it didn't work. What did and didn't work, and I knew later on. I felt like you know. I felt like I'm supposed to be doing this my life. You know, I wouldn't do this if I didn't feel like I was necessary that I do it because I feel passionate about it. Yeah. But um, at that point, you know, I was just learning what did and did not work, and but the natural heat thing started just forming out of that time that I played, and everyone. Loved it. You know, I smashed a pink fiddle. You know, it was fun. You did smash a pink fiddle. Yeah. I saw that. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody everybody really liked it. And I, I had a good time. It, but that's what it was. To me, it felt like a. When I first did that the first time, I saw some of my friends, and they were like, they were there on my first base date. Like, on my first, like, straight off the tractor. In the straight <laughs> off the tractor. And it's like, they were like, man, you need to throw the bass in the trash. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I heard my calling, you know, when I was like, yeah. you know, getting more self-assured about who I am and, and what I'm here to do or, you know, what I want to do, you know. And I really like that because it's funny, pre-bass world, I probably was more of an outlandish kind of character, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of really took a back seat to the world for about four or five years, you know, just like being a sideman. And then maybe my who I am or my character piece of my life can't help itself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Couldn't stay down no. for da- down for long. No. Pl- all the think of all the characters from Steeple. You know what I mean. It's just we're just well, characters, we man. You're a character. You know we what I'm saying. You can't. Talk all day. You can't. Just can't be in the box. It's just a lot of. No way. You know what I mean. So so natural heat band was your foray into being a front man and being the focus of this band. And I will say every time I've seen you front that band. Probably the best show I saw in that three month period <laughs> because Dude, thank you. It I greatly enjoy watching you 
front that band because first of all, I know the people you have in that band are killer musicians in the first place, and you wouldn't be playing them with them if it weren't. And you look like you genuinely have it. Jumping up and down, touching the speakers in press club, jumping up, smacking the shit out of the back of the room. <laughs> You're that guy. And you wear goofy-ass clothes, but goofy-ass yeah. in the way that, that you look like you went to some vintage store and picked that out and said, this is exactly what I'm going to wear tonight. <laughs> Come hell or high water. Yep. And, man, you just look like you're having a good time. And you know what? If more people could look and enjoy and look like they were having their most fun, you look like more people would like you. Because you just look like you're having fun. I can see it on your face, but I also get it here when you're doing it. And it's and it's good for me to see other people enjoy themselves that way. Because that's something I try to do for myself. Yeah. And seeing that is good for both parties, I think. I some somebody said give a smile, get a smile. Yeah. Or something like that. It's like I eventually realized that through all the gigs like we were talking about, through all the and even more so after performing and thinking about it is that if you can be the guy or the thing that is, I realize like we're talking here on microphones. If you're really loud, like you know, if if somebody shoots a gun outside, you're gonna like, you know, mm. like where I live, one of the places in Knoxville, like the Club Dilemma, wonderful name for a club, right? Yeah. I remember one night I I, I was laying in bed and I like woke me up because I felt the shot. You know what I mean? Like we we have when you go to bed, you know, you're not gonna see somebody if somebody breaks in your house, you're not gonna see them. You know, you're going to hear them. Hear Your them hearing is always going on. Yeah. So I, I realized, you know, just this is like human nature observances. You know, going to, I went to, st- I studied a class about sound at UT. Um, I think hearing is very important, you know, and I'm just saying that when you have a microphone, you can influence people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I try to do that in real life. Like when I go, I, I'm not saying that, I'm just saying like in the moment, I feel is my best gift. I like so far my recordings are all right. I'm working on all that stuff like we were talking about a little yeah, earlier. We'll, we'll get there. But my so far I feel like I can bring people to the moment a little bit in this world that's a little bit I don't know, it's kind of like gray. Yeah. You know, that's I all I want to do. I I will say at your shows if you're paying attention, you have to be present because you're always doing something and if you look away, you're going to miss it. Cuz you do a lot on stage. You do a lot. Yeah. But it's it's 100% entertainment, and, and I you. don't know how many of your shows I've seen. I've never left unentertained. <laughs> <laughs> I really haven't. I and, yeah, and, and thank it's different you. facets of being entertained, too. Like, the music's great, but I also get to watch my friend do the thing he enjoys, and I get to watch this crazy dude put on some kind of show with yeah. music I know I'm going to love and jump and bounce around and make all kinds of crazy noises and shout crazy shit like yeah. people. <laughs> and it's, it's, just, it's, ridiculous. It's, it's the ridiculous that I love. It's not like comedy that's hit or miss, but it's that kind of life that just keeps me glued, and I love everything about it. Your brand of ridiculous, I really, really enjoy, and a lot Thank of other you. people do too. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm entertained. I, I literally sometimes, I don't feel, I feel like when I did it, like I said the first time, it was almost like um, cathartic. Is that a big it's word? Yeah, that's a big word for that. <laughs> like, I just felt like. You one of those few times in life where you're like, did I just hit the lottery or something? Where I'm just like, I felt like, like we're going back to the music, uh, the bluegrass. You felt out of touch, out of space. You know, probably in Sneevil, and I, I pretty much, we probably both felt like that most of our life. You know, we're just, we're just different. We're just weird. We're, we're, you know, 
not just weird, but we're just different. We we're just, just our own thing. And when I did that, that felt like felt like I fit in. You know what I mean? Felt good. It felt like that feels right in a lot of ways. Like just, and so, you know, fast forward. Here I am, still trying to perpetuate it. So how how better. have been the the shows you're playing for Hoop Man lately? Man, we had one in Na- Asheville, and I don't know what day it is, but I I will. <laughs> So ironic. I, I logged off social media that day just to like, I just was like, I don't want to be on social media. I just want to be in my own space. Dude, we l- like, it was the best show ever. You know what I mean? Where, where did you it play in Asheville? It was Jack of the Wood. Ah, I and remember it, you talking about that. Yep. Yeah. I, I've yet to be to that venue. Is that a nice venue? I like, I like playing there. Good. Book me some more, guys. <laughs> uh, but that was, uh, it was one of the, they're all just different. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's the fun thing about it. Like I said, there's so much that you can work with, so many more colors that I've observed people never using that some people use a little bit, like dynamics of how people work. Like I said, if I'm really loud, people will listen to me. If I'm the guy with the microphone, you can't help it, you know, if you're in the place. <laughs> yeah. So people like sorry. the dynamic that you can express is just interesting. It's on the microphone. Yeah. So so what's what's good in the natural heat world right now? You got more shows coming up? You have anything on the horizon for yourself? I've I would love to I would love to play again in Asheville. That was I think in Asheville we may retire there cuz no I just <laughs> they loved it so much. I this was really inspiring to me. This is one of those few times because it's just like bass. I understand that when you learn a skill you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to suck at it. Yeah. One thing I really learned was that I always jumped in eyes first. Something I really loved. I was a terrible student. It was something I didn't care about, but I jumped eyes first in something I really loved. Literally. I mean, I would do it. And one of those things was the front, the front man thing. And I, I realized, like, to me, I, ha- I have a good ear. I believe, it, you know, better than average. But I hear myself doing certain things when I'm singing and playing. I'm like, man, I know I can do better. I just had don't have the facility or I haven't done it enough yeah. is what it comes down to. Like, I'm still fresh at this. Like, for example, I've, I've struggled a long time with my singing abilities. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't think I'm the best singer in the world. But I know I can sing, and I know what it's supposed to sound. You know what I'm saying? But you have the you have the attainable target. And you're oh, totally. Play. I just have to, if I don't make myself, like, I've sucked on bass for so long, dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? I sucked. Sucked. and But I kept doing it. And you it's you just like started a sucking less. Bait. It, you know what I'm saying? With <laughs> art, anything you do, right? Yeah. It's it's like that's that's me with uh, pinstriping right now. That's yeah. the thing I've picked up that I'm really trying to push myself with. And I realized last week that I didn't do it one day last week because I try to do it one day a week just to like have the 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 station for it in my head. I'm gonna sit down one one night this week and practice my pinstriping. Like I've been painting saw blades and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing I'm pushing myself to do right now and for the foreseeable future because that's the thing that's the skill i want to sharpen because i can mm-hmm. do all kinds of other things really well that's the thing i suck at that's the thing i want to work on yep yeah so that's that's where my artistic output and energies have been coming from i totally get that dude so so like how many like do you paint like a huge saw blade uh, there's some on the table right there behind you so no not big like anything less than like 10 inches 
nothing nothing huge. And it's really whatever I can find laying around because I try to get uh, dull ones or used up ones or bent ones, you know, things that people are done using so I can actually like <laughs> there was a huge saw blade that I saw that was painted maybe a month or whatever ago that was like, or was it? Uh, it's on the way back. It was probably on the side of their bike. Okay, good. <laughs> probably, if I had to guess, it was on the side of somebody's bike. But you know, those yes. are the things that I've tried to pull out of society to work on because they're they're plentiful, they're easier to claim. Everybody's got a few dull circular saw yeah. blades laying around, so you know. Have this lofty idea of putting them in a pot that you know you make it get some members in a pot and moving it on down the chain on the lawn. It's like, oh yeah, I'll sell that. <laughs> sure. You are the painter. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 that guy. You are you are the painter. Color pencils and brushes scattered on the floor. Yeah, dude, I'm totally that guy. Like my my studio's a mess, but I feel like out of that chaos, somehow all these beautiful things I create are somehow, yeah. and yeah. I don't question it too much because I I'm I've trained. In what vein I want to direct my energy, and then whatever comes out of that, comes out. And I can either learn from it by being analytical about it after the fact, or I can just say, you know, piss off, it's out in the wind, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But I'm really trying not to do that because I don't get anything out of it after the fact. If I just act like it never happened after it's done, it didn't do me any good. I and feel what you just said, I, I really, really reflect that. Like, Sometimes we can judge ourselves or get into our our analytical mind too much and just say, "Well, I don't know." It it's uninspired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, being my own harshest critic is something that really bites me in the ass. Anytime I pick up a new medium or try a new style, and it's one of those things I literally mm-hmm. have to remind myself, "Don't be a dick. You, this is number two. Like, yeah. this is the second time you've tried this. Don't." break yourself up the holes so hard because you see the progress from the first one to the second one. And I have a very clear idea of what I wish to attain in this art form. Maybe I shouldn't like discourage myself so hard I just quit the paint job. You know? I really just shouldn't talk to myself that way. Because it's it's self defeating and it doesn't help anybody. Especially yeah, with the new medium. You just if you want to be good, you, you gotta, gotta suck, suck for a first. second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so don't get mad at yourself about sucking at the keytar. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. I've uh, my newest medium is pretty much the piano, though. I started playing slide singing about like 2018-ish, like where I wore, it was like I want to be good or had wanna, some intent. Want to try to do this? Yeah, instead yeah. of just like. Eh. So have you have you composed anything on the piano? Have you done any original piano music? Man, I've got n- not really like. Songs. I'm a song guy, which is a big separator. A lot of people in the music thing you just they're write a lot of music on the piano. Yeah, I'm a song. I like songs. I like beginning, middle, and ending. I like verse. I like straight up songs about stuff. You know, stories to tell. Stories. I love yeah. stories or perspectives or interesting. You know, whatever. But a lot of people. Li- I don't. I'm not necessarily as much into like instrumental music. Let's say I love it, but I like songs. Being able, I, I feel like a lot of the times people paint the pictures with the words, but how you get there is with the music. Like one thing, one yeah. thing shows you how to get there, and the other thing takes you there somehow. Like they they, they complement each other in that way, and you're not going to get to the same place without one or the other. So 
that together they don't they don't you know wrap you along in it so I think that's pretty cool because you know John Prime writes a lot of songs that don't really wrap themselves up until the last verse or two yeah. and you're just like oh crap that's what he meant the whole time but mm-hmm. then it's like one verse and you got it mm-hmm. and you know John Prime is a major musical interest because he's not really a influence on like Michael Jackson or Elton John or anything like that but how he his song structure and how he writes his songs and how how he uses language in accordance with his music I think is pretty cool that a lot of people either don't emulate or haven't figured out how to put it together in the same ratios that he does but you pick any of his songs from 1960 to last year try to pinpoint where the magic is in it it's just there and it's it'll come to you that's the thing that all artists like you know people that feel um the guy said one time like what i'm trying to relate it all back to is like he said he felt like he was called like a, this guy gave the most interesting master class i've ever seen in my 22 community school he's a saxophone player uh, named james carter who's Literally, if you were to go to YouTube right now and look up James Carter, he's like, um, his facility on the instrument is unmatched, probably. You know, he's just like, can do everything with the instrument. But he said he felt like he was called to like, he said music chose him. Yeah. He didn't choose me. You know, art, you can't escape it. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that sometimes? All the time. No, for me, I jumped eyes first. I mean, I just felt like when when I went to, like, Relating back to Rusty, he was the guy that I saw could do it, could help me get there. Yeah. Stroke of luck, whatever you call it. Like, he was serious about his stuff, man. Like, I went to four 30-minute lessons every week, you know what I mean, for four years, or two one-hour lessons and with uh, wind ensemble and uh, orchestra and small jazz ensemble and theory and jazz theory and piano study and, like, you understand, yeah, like, and me fresh out, fresh out the tractor. Yeah, it's like I was drowning in it. No wonder, you know, but like it happened. But that's the good way. If you really want to get uh, fluent in all of it as fast as possible, you really have to jump in that hard. But in the same time, when I there's a calling to or something like a wow, this is really like meant to be. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, and I believe the it's a plan. The gentleman that does this, he he describes his flow. In a way that, um, you know, he he sits down, he turns on some music, gets in the headspace, and it just comes out of him. You know, it just that's it what just I'm talking flows. about exactly. And I feel like in my creative output, there have definitely been some pieces that came through me and didn't come from me. One hundred. And and I am more appreciative and more proud of those pieces than I am most of the artwork that starts in my head and comes out my fingertips. You know, and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've got pieces that, you know, I sat down with exactly zero expectations, and then all of a sudden, like, there's color and shape and form on this page that I never wanted to make, but I didn't know it was going to come out of me, and there's nothing I could have done to change it or control it. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've made pieces that I've literally named the conduit because <laughs> I, I felt... As yeah. if this image came to me, and the best thing I could do 
or this idea or this image was to get it out of my head so other people could share it. Mm-hmm. So somebody could see it or somebody could enjoy it. And, and somehow I was just standing in its way by not making it. Yeah. You know, like there's something that pounds on the back of your brain sometimes that you just cannot ignore. And then all of a sudden you sit down with the intent of letting that out. And then, oh, shit, there it is on the page or there it is in your fingers. There mm-hmm. it is in your ears. You know, it just happens. And there's 100. nothing you can do. It's just there. And I, that's something I'm trying to achieve more. But the muse or the ether or the other side, wherever these things come from, is such an elusive point in, in space, more or yeah. less. Like, it's it's a really weird place to be, and it's really hard to get there. But by God, when it shows up, there ain't shit you can do about it except bow to it and go. That's what happened in Nashville amazing. the other night. I mean, I, I it was just like we we played and the spirit, you know, it came. It was just like the the, the moment was just it was there. It just happened, you know. And there had been a couple where you know it, you really had to push the boulder up. Yeah. Oh, one story. Sisyphus. That what was his name again? Sisyphus. Sisyphus. I, I, feel, I need to I know that because like Sisyphus a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's one thing that in coming to fruition more of my frontman thing. You know, when my bass players started getting better, then people knew me better. Or, you know, reputation, hey, we need you. Like, we want we want you to play bass because we hear that you really will do what we need to do. And one of the things with Frontman thing that really was like a, I didn't have to roll, or it felt like, man, I finally don't have to roll the hill up, the, the rock up the hill. Yeah. And it's like when I talked to these people who I were just, like, happened to walk by, I was like, hey, man, y'all, y'all having a good night? You know, I was just like trying to self-promote, like say, hey. Stick around, you're about to have a fun time. They were like, oh, our, the cab driver told us that we, we were about to go see some other band. The cab driver, who knows who that was, said, you've got to go see the Natural Heat. Yeah. I, you know, I was like, and that it's going on out there somewhere. Yeah, like, that that's cool to me. And that blows, that, you know, I've had people show up for similar reasons to, like, my art shows and stuff. Oh, they said, come down to Print Shop, you know, whatever, so-and-so's just laying down there. And yes. And, you know, I've had people tell me, Similar things like that. And you know what? Sometimes when somebody says, hey, here's this information, it's going to come across your brow, you better listen. Yeah. Whether they say that or not, sometimes when information like that crosses your path, you might just have an epiphany. Yeah. It's it's like those little cues where you're like, mm. the universe just drops one yeah. right in your lap. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like I should be paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that a lot. Yeah. And I, and I can only imagine the way the music social circles I know what it's like visual medium and I can only imagine how much that happens in a musical social circle each day every day all day long (laughs) (laughs) I mean at least though because how do you make connections like that because it's just a thing that happens organically if you're good at what you're doing and other people care Right, like it's just an organic thing. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put that out there. It does. It, it's that's the first time it ever happened. Actually, I was just thinking about the one today. Like when you're when you're when you're like you make the connection about somebody you didn't have to. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Making the connection with somebody who you didn't have to like one on one or like do something directly with. That was that with my bass playing. It started. I started gaining confidence when I when I was like, oh, I know what's going on. Like I every style you can imagine with everybody in every weird way and it's like 
I started gaining confidence. But the, yeah. the, the that happened. That does no longer happen because everyone's like, you don't know where you're reclusive, elusive, or something. And I'm like, yeah, I am a little bit. I have periods of both. need to know that we're human. We're not just robots talking no. entertainment stuff. Bladder gets full. You got in? Um, so where were we? We were talking about the do's and how, how we take that in different ways. So what what are some have what what's it feel like on stage when you're really in the groove? Hit hitting that stride. Do you get that flow state? Get get that zen sometimes when you're, you know, playing away either in private or so there's sometimes with certain musicians, with people, it feels like um, feels like uh, just certain people bring it out of you, and and also being around a lot of people. I just I just like to me there's just a certain performer aspect of who I feel like I am that just enjoys performing. I enjoy. In front of a lot of people, I mean, it's just it, to me that just the more energy, the more mass or whatever. It's just me. I really like it. So you like? I like a lot of people. You like, like big, sh- bigger shows. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Bigger the better. Make them big, huge, <laughs> huge. What about small venue shows? Do you like those? I too? love those too. I I would. Uh, to me, I just I'm just like little Richard or like something like that. I'm like show the whole world, man. I'm just like. Let's 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 do it. Doesn't matter how big the room you is, know? you're gonna show the whole world. Yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> do it how I do it. You know, if it's my band, yeah, yeah. you're right. But like as a side man, I mean, sometimes it can happen if you're with the right musicians. And most of the time, that's what they hate. I'll tell you, it I looks I like it's what they hate. Yeah. Well, there've been times where I felt like somebody ate. Or you know, I, I I was like, and it was me. You know, but I like small gigs. I like. Well, we all like gigs. Let's face it. <laughs> you know, eating's nice. Uh, but so, do you find that a lot when you're just uh, playing at home alone, or no. not never? Not not never, but rarely. I love people. I love interacting. So it's really the chemistry people. in the room that does it for you. Man, it really does. It really is nothing to me that beats live performances. That's why I still I don't feel like I've branched out with my social media or a lot of other avenues that people are using, you know, like, uh, it's just all still, uh, it's just new to me in a certain way. I'm, I'm a late bloomer in a lot of ways. I'm just like, with the social media, I got like a Facebook years after everybody did, and blah, 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 everything. I'm like, so, but so s- performing live doesn't get any publicity. That's, that's where it's at. Yeah. It only happens once. When Stevie Wonder came to Knoxville, he played for four hours straight, and he yeah. he he would say something that was really cool. He was like, "This is our night forever." Yeah, and I it mean really that's was, it. You're you know? all in the same place this one time. He wasn't just like, "Hey, let's get it over with." He was like, "This is our night forever." And he played like it. But I want that to be the Nashville Heat vibe every time. You know, it only happens once. If you record it, that's great. And I, I would want people to record. I wish I did more recordings of it. But it's like to feel what it's like when you're there. Mm-hmm. It's cool. You can't really capture that in song. You can't capture no, you can't capture can't. a natural heat gig, can you? If you're oh not there, boy. not even on video. Can you? It just you makes ju- sense. You jump out of frame. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. That's why I sit back at the same time. That's why I enjoy it so much because I feel like I can sit back and just almost. Yeah. It's and just do and do. Yeah. That's the flow for me. Is the flow. It's yeah. Because I've done studio stuff, like I said, with the recently with the painter. I, I I know I can. It was a good track. I, I really enjoyed recording well, yeah, okay. it. I, but so long story short, let's you know. Let's dig into the painter thing. The painter. So what? First of all, what is it? Tell us what it is. Speaking of Muse, uh, one of my friends is a painter. She's an excellent painter in town. And she, I was just like, I imagined, um, I just wrote some wrote some lyrics. I just imagined what it would be like, you know, just to have her as a, as a Muse. Like, you know, what's it like, the life, life as a painter? And I know certain, certain things about her life. And it's like, she does work two jobs to pay her bills. And the lyrics, you know, color pencils of brushes scattered on the floor. You know, like you go into her house and it's like, She's creating art. It's it's just the thing that yeah. happens. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Okay, come on. You know, you got buckets of paint all over the floor in here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, does, it <laughs> happens. I mean, it's right. Uh, I got paint on the floor in the damn studio right now. Yeah. I got paint all over the house because I don't know. Somehow my house is just an entire studio as much as I try to keep it <laughs> one room. It doesn't happen, dude. It doesn't. Like I got a I got that barrel project downstairs in the den right now. Maybe two. Uh, what what drove the visual part of your studio? Like, what what made you use that imagery with those lyrics? Because I felt like they were kind of juxtaposed, and that was yeah. hilarious to me. You're exactly right. I just thought, like, it, as I after I had recorded it, and um, I sound like sentimental now, but actually, the first recording I ever have is like probably the best. You know, when we went into the studio, just like I'm saying. The live performance, the first time it happens, is usually the best. After you try to re, it just ain't the same. Not that it's 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 something to, you know. Ain't nothing like a real thing, baby. You know, <laughs> exactly. It was like the first time. Chasing that dragon is something yeah. else, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just when it happens, it happens. That's what's the coolest thing yeah. about it. But um, so why did you wear man. that terrible makeup <laughs> and that pink wig and all and those shoes that were way too small? After I got to thinking about it, I thought that she, her other job could have been being a prostitute. Work two jobs to make yeah. a bill. I kind of, ma- I thought it would be funny. I mean, not that the, I think, uh, I, I just, you know, I'm kind of like being tongue in cheek. You know, I'm just, I'm not disrespecting any of the prostitutes or saying I'm not condoning any prostitution. Right. I just thought, uh, you know, a little like, you know, what's the old cartoon, you know, <laughs> where they yeah. blow, you know, it's like lifting the leg up, you know, I was like. I got the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I'm in a dress, you know. I'm like, I I, I know who I am. And I'm I'm not. So you weren't scared to be in a in a knee high dress. Everybody in the neighborhood was definitely li- like on that street where I filmed that scene where I was. They were like all like, what the hell? Yeah, because <laughs> I I had that point like I just dyed my hair blonde and I was just like, what the what's going so on? So did you film this right in now? Nashville? Or did you film it here in? It was both. Okay. I filmed parts in Nashville, parts in. It was just like. I mean, it's mostly just like pieces. street scenes and stuff. There's not a whole lot of like recognizable architecture or whatever. No. Nothing big, no. yeah, like my Sunster song. Right. The, the painter, I was just like, I know I can be funny. Or in a sense that like, I know it makes me laugh. And I'm hard to, s- to make laugh sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I, I border on the, the lines of, of not politically correct, but just like uh, taste. 
That's where I, I that's taste. That's where <laughs> I bore I, I skirt taste in my That's work. yeah, yeah, you're right. I can't deny I as I <laughs> a skirt taste. All right, well yeah. And that's in there I kind of again, skirt taste. So even myself, I'm like there's a lot it's of weird. satire in, in most <laughs> aspects of this video. Like the makeup you have on in the video is terrible and it's on purpose. <laughs> and the clothing you're wearing is terrible and it's on purpose. Oh. And you're out there getting picked up in a pair of high heel shoes that your whole heel falls off the back of. Yeah. Like watching you walk in that video with those shoes that were way too small was painful, just so you know. Because you know, I got big feet. Yeah. But it's just like what is this shit? Yeah. Like and then, and then after I asked myself that question, I totally understood that you were just trying to be ridiculous for being ridiculous sake. And then, and then I was entertained after I stopped thinking about it because I knew what was going on. You can't find women's shoes in men's size. No. I tried to like find some. Unless yeah. you're a dude that's like 5'5". Five five. Man. I bet Prince had like those. You know, like his feet, he was like 5'2 or something. But he had like probably been in all kinds of women's shoes. Yeah, he had all the I fashion find choices. We, we know he seen that man on stage he had all the fashion choices he oh didn't wear there was nothing i bet he wouldn't wear whatever he can wear whatever he wants he did nobody stopped him i went to the paisley paisley park yeah. where he resided in minneapolis and it was like i remember i was trying to uh find some prince music come on and one came on like man it's like duh great it happened like that you know <laughs> wait for it not there yeah on the random you know Women's shoes. <laughs> yeah, the women's shoes. What was that? Was there? Do you have a workflow for writing music? Is there a? Is it spontaneous? Do you have like a regimented thing you do? Do you have any sort of like a go-to workflow for writing as a musician? To me, I'm like a like the shit house poet or something like that. <laughs> you know, I like uh, I like w the same word a lot. I mean, it's just like something that happens to me. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say that, but there was something. There's a rhyme that came to me that, uh, you know, I'll I'll say that. Uh, she asked me on a dare. I asked, oh, like like this. She, I asked her on a dare if she could spare a square. I said, Oh shit, this is a girl with the citrus in her hair. I just hear like air, 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 air. You know, so I you, just you play on the alliteration. I like the alliteration. Okay. There's something ab rhyming uh, about what I or I like to rhyme. With ad nauseum with a certain word or in a w different way in yeah, my own and little and way and playing with that sound you find some sort of structure to it so and as far as lyrics go that happens a lot uh, musically melodies are easy or I can just I can come up with them I've heard so much so many songs that melodies don't seem like a hard thing harmony I'm I'm just now coming into my own in harmony I feel like I'm a rhythm killer like I feel like I'll, I, I'll I specialize that. in rhythm I feel like that is, I could say, like, you know, I feel confident in that. But harmony is a new thing for me as far as the complexities and how. But learning piano has helped me out with that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so do you wear women's shoes when you no, write I don't, music? I don't. It's I think it's supposed to be very difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> it looks difficult. I'll just, I'll just let you know. Have, okay, so have you actually watched the video uh, as, as a viewer? Have you watched it? Instead of just putting it together and rendering it and putting it on YouTube, I did watch it well one time. One time, and then and then that's it. I'm I'm just that's the thing with my art. I like we were talking about earlier the same way. Like we get to that space where you're just like, 
because for a long time, I mean, the, the like I said, it's all is just super interconnected. Me seeing it, I sounded better when I did it. But it's been difficult to just uh, recording is is a difficult process sometimes. So I'm just saying that I didn't. There were other takes that I would have liked, but I was just like, well, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Put music up there. I, I'm not going to. It's not all that bad. There's just some of the. I, I wanted to do things different, and then sometimes they don't come across the way you did in the studio. Yeah. And you're just like, well, that's the best we got. Let's do it. Because I'm. I just want to put my music out there. I want to. To me, if I could just get people to come see my live performance. That, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. That's yeah. That's I'm, I feel you. To feel that is cool. It helps me. A working man's band. Working man's band. I went that, to that's this your previous video, I think, right? Yes. That's, that's the last music video you put out that really kind of – Yes. Uh, I um, went to the studio, the same thing. Like It was like probably one of the first times I ever had said, I'm going to record. And I think it was the first time I was ever going to record outside of like my iPhone or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, all I did was I went in with two ideas, and friend Logan, I met him at the Three Rivers, and I was like, you want to come play in the studio like right now? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, because I thought I could do it, and uh, he really helped me out. Thanks, Logan. And I went to the studio, Scott's studio, and I literally, all I was doing was like checking the microphone. Um, the whole lyric of that is like, just like what I'm talking about. Like, it's, on, it's just like bizarre. And it's like, you know what I mean? I, I, there's something about me that just needs to get this out. And that's bizarre to them for a, a little while until, and it, like I said, no judgment. I was just doing it. Yeah. But all it was was a sound check. All it was was me checking the mic. That's <laughs> I see them. I see them in the mirror, and and you know the the plate black glass, the plexiglass, and I see them in there. I'm like, Logan White plays a working man's bass, just off the cuff. Yeah. And uh, they're all in there laughing and dying. And Scott's live mixing, and I'm just like, when we got done, we were laughing so hard that we're like, we gotta put this out. Yeah, like you can't ignore how fun that was. Oh, you know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about with the muse of like yeah. me not being like, okay, I'm gonna do a take now. It was like it happened. And and. What really cracked me up about that, I think the juxtaposition. If you keep doing this as I wag my finger at you, the juxtaposition with your visuals to your language in these videos, I think that's a really good thing you ought to keep on because I'm really entertained by that. I'm sure all fans are too. But in the Working Man's Base video, you're in that full reflective jumpsuit walking down the street and just like everybody down Gay Street's looking at you like, what is this fool wearing this reflective jumpsuit (laughs) running around singing? About a working man's what? Yeah. And it's you like when you go by uh, the downtown grill and brewery in this music video, there's people out on the patio just like, what the fuck? Yeah. And and, and that <laughs> make it lend that realism lends such, uh, I guess, a point of entry and grounding into the ridiculous thing you were trying to do because you see other people going, what the fuck? As you do your thing, it, it, there's just a point in that that allows somebody watching to be that you know it yeah it gives it gives exactly a base I'm to it something there that you can instantly attach to while you're listening to the music and then read it and tie it in with people reacting to you as you're doing you down the street and then uh, you know the person behind the screen is also very much potentially reacting in the same way tapping your foot or your head's bobbing or something then you're just caught and there's nothing you can do about it until the song is done if you can bring people to the moment yeah this is it just exactly what you mm-hmm. said yeah it, 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 i guess 
then you get stuck with the visuals and the song and it's then you can't go back to it. I feel like when you're talking about like the point of realism or like a grounding effect like that, it like it really sometimes can be like Got like a fit. shot out of the dark. Yeah. I'll, I, I Bizarre has been using that term for like <laughs> You tell I know exactly what that's like. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've both just this like we've been talking about the time you know it's go and you rain and look back on your looking glass and you're like that was pretty easy <laughs> i can always yeah. i can always figure the bar out yeah yeah, yeah. hindsight 2020 yeah. like, damn i i really didn't fit in in that place and that helped me a lot <laughs> um one more thing about in the moment when when i it brings me to, mo- to the moment sometimes when i like I, you may think well you, of course you're in the moment you're up there doing it or whatever I feel like that is probably not the case. I don't feel like I'm. I'm not saying I'm feel possessed or something. I'm right. not saying I'm. I'm, I'm more feel like I almost separate from my body a little bit, in a sense that I'm like I'm going to use my body to to do something here in the real life. I'm going to come all the way down to the to I don't know what you say. Just like where we are right now, like the, the physical. I'm going to be like I'm going to do something with my body. Yeah. You know, and uh, it almost full circle brings me to the moment or something like that. I'm like, is this really happening? Like, people are like watching me right now and I'm like doing this funny stuff and I'm like, whoa, that's really weird. I don't know how to s- else to say it. It's, it's, it's like sometimes brings me to the moment. Well, it's that grounding that the, the out-of-body experience and the mental separation, the flow state, I guess you can get to be in when you say you're up on stage in front of a crowd doing your thing but you're also like controlling this meat puppet and you know moving your bones and your body and Mm -hmm. making the noises and stuff it's very grounding because you're there you're the only one that can do it it's yours to do because you're the only person that can do it with your body that can do it at the amount of play that you can so that's that's just it you're the only person that can do that at that time in that place so if that's not grounding and that doesn't put you in the middle of whatever scenario you are creating as you're standing out there then it's yeah, I mean for <laughs> real like if you're up on stage and you're in front of a crowd of people and you're just like oh I'm phoning it in somehow like that's not that's not the flow state that's not your zen that's not the the beauty of it because that you can tell you can just tell when somebody's not not here and there you know fully involved in your head and your heart then you can tell that's what I'm saying with the Simon thing I've seen it a thousand million yeah. times being a part of it. And the more so you boring. see people do and the more that you've seen accomplished people and people that are past being interested in the thing that they're doing, whatever that may be, you just you know when your heart's not in it. And it's kind of sad because you're up there doing the thing and you're just some some there's just something about it that it's like a stench that you can see somehow. There was a moment the other night when we played Nashville there was, uh, I'm not going to say what it was or what happened, but there was a, just a situation that I felt like I was being, like, reined in a little bit, unnecessarily. Yeah. Like, it was, and, and no one has ever really reined me in or been like, hey, you need to do that. They can't wrangle no Ashton. They can't wrangle me in. <laughs> but, you know, I, I try to be, resp- I want to respect somebody's rules and have me, have me back. Right, because the venue is the yeah. venue, you know. I respect it that much. But... <laughs> 
I'm gonna call him the rapture. No, I, I like, <laughs> but it's like kind of situations where like, you know, you're just like, I'm. These this is not being decided on. You're like, I'm I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna stay. I'm not gonna yeah, leave. Th- this, this is, is the situation. Yeah, this is the whole point. Like, and it wasn't. I just you know I'm not saying it was a promoter or anybody like that. I'm just saying like a certain situation where you just felt like. Situation was like, should have known. <laughs> I don't use the word should anymore. Like, I don't right. like could or anything. I, but I was like, you know what's going on here. You're not. You know, it was nothing bizarre in particular. It was just more like, hold on. This is my situation. You're not. This is the democracy, Let but I'm the conductor. <laughs> you know I mean? Let me get this straight. Yeah. <laughs> so did it did it work out in your favor? Or did I, you I just insisted. Pull the plug? I insisted. No, I had to. I had to. Had to put I do it my. Down. I did it my way. I did. I'm not saying like I did it my way. Oh, look at me. I'm more just like was like. Yeah, call the cops. <laughs> and it, it wasn't necessarily that situation. I'm just saying like it, it gets. There was just a situation where I was like, it was nothing to do with anything they're saying. It was just creative. Um, control. So you put your foot down and you said, this, this is who I am, this is what I do, and I'm here to do it, and if you yeah. don't like it, I'll pay I the band. Go. I'll pay the band. Yeah. And I, I got this, but you ain't going to let me get this. I, and I, I get that. And, and it's like, I would say that, but I've never had, like, it, that wasn't particularly the situation where I said, this this or this or not. I'm just saying, like, there was a situation, and I had to do, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I, like I said, it's democracy, but I'm the conductor. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's your thing. It's what you do. Yeah. It's just like it's an Afrobeat show. I mean, Afrobeat that's show. the thing that's got to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's a it's just a thing that you turn it on, and when it runs out of gas, you turn it. Yeah, close it up. <laughs> and it's gonna go full blast until it's over. Well, this is this will probably be the first interview I've ever done about it. So this will be, you know, I I have I have high hopes, as well as, I mean, I, I want to perpetuate myself as a frontman. For a career, so, or uh, in the arts, so I feel like this would be a could be a legendary interview between two artists uh, oh and you oh, yourself as well. I, you know what I mean, though. I, well, I will say I think my creative expression and we go way back. And, and we <laughs> anyway. go way back. The things that I've the the creativity that I've put out into the world, I think it's definitely helped me uh, learn how to articulate myself outside of being an artist. Because if you put an idea on paper in a picture and somebody can't figure it out you know blatantly from what you've put down there and they go oh well what's this about I really just can't seem to to think and you can't walk over to them and have a conversation about the thing that you put down that you want to convey what in the world are you doing like supporting the image that you've made when you can't verbally explain the thing to someone that is genuinely seeking an explanation that they can find uh you know, I don't do a whole lot of work that is um, inherent the semblance of tangible things or things out in society. Like, you know, I've painted landscapes and all that kind of stuff. I, I yeah. do that. But it's not my wheelhouse. Right. So if somebody comes up to me and they're like, man, what is in this geometric mandala glow-in-the-dark bullshit on your wall? And I just have to tell them. Like, I literally just have to tell them, like, what I was feeling or what I was thinking or the reason I use these colors, you know, whatever idea manifested itself in this creation, I need to be able to articulate that to them. 
if I can't, it's not doing them any good as, as an entity that is inherently trying to convey something. And if they can't pick it up and I can't explain it, I might as well just shut my mouth about it because it's not doing them any good. And if they're looking for something and I just actually can't just hand it to them without it figuring it, them figuring it out, like I've, I'm failing as an artist trying to convey something. So um, I've had to explain myself and justify my position in these ways as an artist but this helps me in my my daily life, and I have to make creative decisions at work about how this happens or that happens, or I have to make you know just decisions in general and justify my point of view. Being able to more articulately convey that helps everybody mm-hmm. because I can't just say, well, just because I made it like that, or just because I wanted to. No, that doesn't lend itself as an explanation. That's just this is what I wanted. This is like the black and white of it instead mm-hmm. of the wire pack. I struggle with that sometimes. A lot of times. It, I don't, there's not a lot of why or how or uh, over overarching theme to a lot of my work, but when there is, I sometimes I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And you have to articulate these decisions just to help people understand or see the big picture you're trying to articulate in the first place. And that has had, has had an overall impact on my life when it comes just to being able to relay, you know, whether it be facts about me or my emotions or how I feel or what I see or my interpretations of such, or whether it be, you know, technical information for some some reason or the other. Like, you know, if somebody says, why did you choose this material for this surface on this job? And I say, well, I picked this material because it has this and this and this and this properties that are complementary to the surface in this, this, and this way, and I chose this material because this is the object that you wish to have in your image, you know? So there's, sometimes you're put in a position where you have to relay that information that you don't necessarily want to, but you have to because it's been asked to. And it may be something you didn't want to explain or you felt was self-explanatory with the piece all alone by itself, then somebody comes up to you and asks the obvious thing. If it's not obvious to them, you can't act like it should be obvious. You know, you have to humbly say, well, that's me in my hat on the job. I am. They'll either understand or they won't. And then, then at that point, you've done all you can do because you've put it out there. You've thoroughly articulated it. You've told them the hows and the whys. And hell, you might have even explained the ideology behind your brush strokes. You know, mm-hmm. like, at, at get down to that level of granular information. And if they still don't get it, then feel free to put everything in there and let them go from there. And that is a helpful thing. Absolutely. It's confident in my abilities as an artist to be able to articulate that accurately, efficiently. Um, when you make art like I make, sometimes it isn't immediately obvious to everybody yeah. because I make some pretty wild, trippy, psychedelic stuff sometimes. Yeah. And somebody asks me, you know, what, what this is or what it's supposed to represent, I just have to tell them. And, and that's it. Like, there's no other way to get around it. Because you, if it's a piece, it's just like, oh, you know, interpret however you want. Because it's a piece I don't have any set intentions for. Cool. But that can't be all the time. Nor will it ever be all the time. So you're going to have to explain it. And if you can't explain it, like I said, you're not doing anybody any good. Because they don't get the message. They can't pick it up. Mm-hmm. If there's not something relevant or relatable or 
you know, grounding, if there's not something they can touch on in the piece itself. Yeah, if you just blow them, I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually, like, feel like I'm learning. And I'm, like, listening to you. I'm, like, you know, I'm kind of hearing this. Well, in a way. So. Because I feel like sometimes you can kill a fly with a shotgun and then you're, like, blow somebody out of the water and you're, yeah. like. And, and, but that's uh, it's like, oh, yeah, do you like overkill? <laughs> I like overkill, too. It's like it's overkill. But, you know, it, the subtlety of something is more valuable than, you know, just the overall big picture of it. Because I feel like in art, a lot of times spectacle is what a lot of people get caught up in, which mm-hmm. is great. And the show or the spectacle is part of it, no doubt, and can be a huge part of it. But if you've got a spectacle and you've got no meat on the bone, so to speak, you know, what what are you getting across? Because, you know, fireworks is cool, but just spending fireworks on a Thursday night, like, doesn't make any sense. Because there's no Flash, context. no smash. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make any sense. So I really try to be able to articulate in words and in conversation the work that I've made in the pen and in the ink person because someone doesn't understand it are parallels and it's helpful in explaining it to be able in my opinion it's helpful in articulating it better for the betterment of both people and the community I think mm-hmm. because then you're doing each of yourself no justice wasting everybody's time and energy good intent goodwill like all that goes to the wayside if you're not respecting somebody's time and attention by like accurately and articulately trying to convey the thing I think it's very disrespectful to waste somebody's time by using too many words or not the right words or, you know, words that don't really speak to the intent of your statement. And I, and I guess the whole Hawkins razor, like, you know, whittling it down to the most valuable person is how I try to do it because I try not to waste my words unless I'm talking shit. Like, if I'm really, <laughs> if I'm really trying to, like, you and I have sat here and had a very direct conversation and we're not wasting each other's time. Very direct, yes. And, and, and this is best for meaningful exchange, the way I see it. So, I, I say the words to you I want you to answer me about, you know. It's not like I'm saying things to you that don't matter and you're saying things back to me that I didn't ask for, you know. So, I'm, I'm really just trying to read follow with good energy on both sides of this exchange so both people come out on the other side better or educated or enlightened or, or, or more understanding. You know, whatever that positive goal may be, I feel like that's really important. And if you're striving for anything less than that, you're really wasting people's time in some aspects. Because, you know, if somebody turns on this podcast, they're going to want to listen. And if I sit here and, like, talk too much shit, I'm wasting their time, you know? <laughs> So if people turn on this art podcast to hear me talk about bullshit football, it's just not going to happen because I feel like that's wasting their time unless we're looking at this through some artistic lens, you know. And that's really, I really try to, I really try to have the proper lens, so to speak, for whatever situation I'm dealing with in life and in art, you know, which often mirror each other so but, you know, it's it's all about having the proper vantage point all the time. So I really, really just try to articulate my vantage point that I'm trying to get across to people as best I can without talking too much or too little and wasting words and energy and all that stuff. I, I try to be hyper-efficient. It doesn't always work because I've sat here and I've talked for three minutes about how I try to talk to people. 
Dude, no, I, I'm, I just want to say that I really, this, what you just said, this helped me. I don't think I've ever, I think I've ever really told much of my story. I've kind of been, I've kind of, like I said, going back to my roots a little bit, just I think it's positive in a lot of ways for you to have this podcast. Like, help me a lot, like, just say some things probably that I've never said out loud or people don't know. Or, or But, you know, like you're what you're doing, like putting, explaining what you're saying, you're awesome. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the things <coughs> that I, I've, one of the intentions I have with this program is to help people that want to consume art find new art to to get mm-hmm. to buy to consume to have to cherish to hold you know like I want this to help people find their new favorite musician new local musician new mm-hmm. local painter new whatever I want this to be an avenue into exploring that in the arts of artists and people that wish to explore art. And one of the reasons I put on that is because I know how many podcasts I listen to. I know how many podcasts there are out in the world, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. And somebody listens to all of them. Like, there are no podcasts out there that nobody listens to because yeah. somebody listens to some of them. Yeah. Know? And so there's enough out there. And I thought in in the time, which I'll get to this question in a minute, but it's important to ask. But the times we're in are rough for lots of reasons and a lot of people aren't like outwardly social and put themselves in public as much as they used to and if this is one of the ways they privately consume information and media that connects them to other things then it's then it's great because the connections are there regardless of whether they went to the gallery and they saw the art and had to take one home or if they listen to the artist speak on podcasts and then they hit them up on Instagram like oh I need one of these you know if you can send me one or I can take that print or you know, whatever that connection, as long as the ball gets rolling, I've I've executed my intent in some form or fashion to a positive outcome. And I was really excited to sit down and talk to you specifically because you're going places and doing things, and we go way back. Uh, sure, we do. You know, yeah. we've known each other since we were more or less kids, and we've kind of been slightly on the fringes of each other's social circle. But that's because the circle circles we travel in aren't exactly overlapping as it is yeah. but you know I consider you a, a, an accomplished person in your field even if you don't because from my position in it like you've been out there playing for yourself doing your thing how you want to do it and you've been on big stages which we can talk about some of that later on who you want to play for by the way um, and you know you've just done things people want you to do and you're thinking of playing for yourself because you want to do them for yourself. And I've seen your family be really proud of that, and I'm really proud of it. And I'm just happy that you're doing this for yourself, and you're happy doing it for yourself. And then just another reason why we sort of brought you on here is you're able to participate in that. And that's it's pleasing to watch you do that, and, and I really enjoy that because I know it makes my job easier. And it, that makes me happy. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate that, and uh, uh, I just I'm really grateful that you said that. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I never I I wanted to when I first started. Like I said, first sucked. First started. <laughs> it was like I still believe, you know, like that I could, which is important. I feel like anybody yeah. listening to this, like self belief. It's almost like uh, if your inner, it's like 
a lot of people will tell you, I heard somebody say something like, you know, um, you've been told, let's say 10,000 times a year on average, you can't do it. Like, you, you're not good enough. You're too, you're too this, you're too that, you're too fat, you're too ugly, you're too bald, you're too like, you know, like, I'm losing my hair. Hey, like, you know, what all the things you get to me, you know, when I was 14, they get to me zits. You know, whatever the thing is that somebody tells you all the time, you're too this, mm-hmm. too, but you got to let the inside control the outside. So I feel like I, I was able to do that, like, get the inner voice. Yeah, I can. I guess I can. I got a little engineer kid to come back there saying, like, just, just little baby steps in the, the, the direction that you want to go in all the time. Just, just take little baby steps. All you got to do. Yeah, I definitely know when I look at somebody's artwork, and I would never be able to pick that style. First thing I do is I'm like, hmm. Yeah, just a little baby step. All you yeah. do is just think. Maybe yeah. I could. Because I hate talking myself out of shit. I really do. Because I don't have any reason not to try You can do something. anything. I mean, you, you have everything. Well. We'll try, and if and if the the materials needed are a pencil and a paper to see if I can attempt to keep this thing in a halfway reasonable angle, then I'm in. Like, why not? I mean, I don't know how many things I've attempted with a pen or a brush just because the why not try. Whether they turn out or not is fine because you know if you don't just be self-conscious, you're gonna mess up or something. Oh man, I mean, that's the same thing. It's so cool that we're two artists. I mean, it's just like we're just conveying. We're trying to like convey what it it, it sounds like with words. Well, I, it's know. it's the lens. Like you you look at yeah. this expression through music, and I yeah. look at this expression through you know visual uh, visual medium, whether it be uh, whether it be pen and ink or a brush, you know, watercolor, whatever. You could pick up just about any stringed instrument and play something. I've seen you pick up all kinds of things and just look yeah, at sure. it. And, you know, I could pick up a pen or a brush and do just, just about do whatever. About anything. And it's, I feel like the why not is a big deal. But, you know, unnecessarily putting obstacles in front of you, which is something we're all good at because the inner voice and the harshest critic is is damning to my emotions. And Oh, yeah. Pushing that out of your brain just to understand that it's not going to hurt you to try and there's no reason not to try is, is something that's helped me a lot expand my creative output, whether it's whether it's meaningful to me or not is irrelevant. It's fine. It's you know, I can expand upon, then great. If not, then I've tried and I put up with it. And you never know what anybody else is going to like. Oh, God. That's no. the trick. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Somebody just, you know, just sometimes you don't have the vision. Also, another thing about the creativity, though, is like one of my one things that stuck with me that Jesse would say would be like, it ain't brain surgery. You know, you're not you're not dealing with, you know, it's, it's not, not big, big heavy equipment. Yeah. Right. You and know, like, don't feel too, I'm not saying you, I'm saying anybody listening, like, don't feel too. Don't be we just feel like we're like showing our privates I almost. Don't, don't be it's so personal, right? Because, yeah. And you're a creator. Yeah. Uh, you know, my boss, uh, I don't know if you know what I do for a living, Aaron. I, I put vinyl on cars. So the joking way I tell people this is I'm kind of a professional sticker stickler. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, there have been days at work when I am just totally down on myself because it's 9 a.m. and I just screwed something up in the rest of my in my head the rest of my day is going to suck. And then my boss will come over and be like, oh, dude, don't worry. It's just a big-ass sticker. <laughs> you know, like, just just to bring it back down and, like, release some of the tension and just remember that 
this isn't as complicated or as hard or as difficult as you're building it up to be because you're stacking yourself out in your head. It's like when I worked at the Coliseum and did all the, the Zamboni stuff. You know, you cut too deep here or whatever you screw this up. Oh, man, it's just ice. We'll throw water on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, my boss <laughs> told me did that, that one day. Uh, my boss told me that one day. Pat, I love you for telling me this. Thank you for grounding me in the fact that things aren't as complicated or as big as you really thought they were. I really did legitimately screw up, right? And I was, mm-hmm. like, legitimately worried about it. And he saw the fix I put on, and, you know, everything I did, I did fine. But I was still just, like, racked about it, you know? Like, it was still gotten to me. And he was talking to me about it, and he's like, dude, son, don't worry, man. Just ice it. Throw water on it. It'll be fine. And I was just like, son of a bitch, he's right. <laughs> God damn it. Ah. Go to the next note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep on playing. Same, like, same language. Say, uh, wait, different language, same words. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just one of those things, you know, like don't forget to take a step back and realize like what you did was not the end of the world because in my job, I am nose away from something, you know, if I'm working in a really intricate area of a vehicle and I screw something up, I have to remember that sometimes that doesn't matter yeah. because it's uh, my face has been so close to the problem this whole time. The problem looks as big as my face because I've been right oh, there yeah. to it the whole time. And then you step away and you look at the car as a whole and you realize, you know what, that little screw-up probably shouldn't have happened, but you know what, it's not the end of the world. The overall look of the vehicle is still complete. You didn't detract anything. You probably just made yourself ten minutes more work. Yeah, but that's that magnifying glass is good. Yes, yes. Uh, remembering the fact that the big picture is the important part is really is really the important part when you get so – stuck on details and minor things and how ridiculous, how tricky that can be. So remembering to step away and just like, oh, yeah, throw water on it. It's fine. God dang it. <laughs> yeah. You got me. And that happened more than once. And, 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 you know, bless my bosses for being the people that they they were to me and are now. But it's it's just having somebody to pat you on the back and say, don't worry about it is, is exactly the thing to pull your focus back away from, you know, the, the mountain that was a molehill that you had to climb. It's hard to remember that sometimes, that the big picture is what matters and you just kind of step back and look at it. That's that's probably the thing in my professional creativity that I've been trying to fill in and make fit more in my head because we are a person that's really woo. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> just walk across the shop and look at the car and be like, oh, God, it, it still looks fine. Fine. My mistake wasn't that bad. You know, rage flipping. <laughs> rage flipping. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm an angry Magic the card game player. Yeah. Rage flipping. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. I, I mean, that's legit what it feels like sometimes. Man, I've, I've never. I think there was one time. There was a guy that tried to get up on stage one time. And I was like. Natural heat show. This is a heat show. And I was like. <laughs> I did it one time too to a dude, because I <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah, it was like one of those nights. <laughs> one of those nights. So I, I did. I have to say, I think I threw that. I, that night, I was worried I had overalls and a fur coat on. 
and I look cool. So I deserve to get up on stage, even if it was my gig. But <laughs> 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 but the dude can't get up on my gig because he wasn't dressed cool enough. No, it was just like, Criteria man, y- you know, what are you going to do? Like, you know, he's going to sing like Tennessee whiskey or something. We all heard this. I'm like, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not here, buddy. Not here, buddy. <laughs> Gosh, I did get mad at the singer. I think it's the first gig ever I got mad at him and ran back to him because I was like, I we just smashed a fiddle. I can't play anymore. I can't go bigger than this. <laughs> can't get any bigger than smashing a fiddle. <laughs> anyway. But <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, it's all, it's all good, you know. You <laughs> yeah, get back don't, on it, don't like worry. Big picture here. Still doing all good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this, this is the question I'm going to ask you because it's kind of a fun topic. So what has been uh, or has been – being a creative person lately in Nashville and with the COVID restrictions and all that, what's that like uh, for the new Texas Christian Convention? Nashville's pretty much been open since July. So so Nashville don't give a shit? Is that what you're saying? No. All right. Uh, now, the places I play, now you, and you can go, I'm not just saying, uh, but the places that I play, which are mainly like uh, Lalo's, Roberts, Acme, Feed and Seed. Acme, maybe not so much, but Lalo's and Roberts were – and still are like to the T like regulations and everything. I mean, from well, good. I mean, but a lot of places since July, like it's been real, real lax. Huh? Oh, not even lax. No, <laughs> nothing ever happened. No oh, joke. Goodness. Yep. Uh, and I haven't played at those places, but I, I have walked by them and I've seen I them packed I up. I haven't been in months. <laughs> but no, you know, like uh, you know, I try to, I try to. Try to be healthy, maintain my distance, wear a mask when I go out and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's depends on where you're going and what you're doing. You could run into either one, really. So has it has it stifled your creative output any like directly with the tour with the Warren Treaty? I mean, we you know we were going to do a really cool bunch of stuff there, and you know that got canceled. So that and that was supposed to be an international tour. It's going to we're going to go to Australia and we're going to go out to Amsterdam too. Dang, you missed out on a trip to Amsterdam. Amsterdam, Australia. I, who, dude? Right before we quit, we got flown up to Detroit and uh, uh, did like a bunch. They get they get really cool calls sometimes. Like sometimes, like that was one of the f- before we started touring, which is late and stunning. They were like, "Free this Friday." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you want to go to Detroit?" And I'm like, "Sure, <laughs> sure, whatever, man." But yeah, I mean, it stifled stuff like that. You know, we were like, we had a Bernie Sanders rally and. People are like, you know, feel the burn, and that's like, that really just happened. There, man, I, when I was in Detroit, speaking of that, like, I, there's this guy that saw one of the Natural Heat shows that I play. He knows uh, our mutual, like, sort of friend named Anna, Anna Birch, and Anna Birch, she is such a cool lady. Shout out, she ever hears this, Anna Birch, you're the best. Saw you at the Detroit rally. Yeah, anyway. So world small. So, so, uh. I feel like the other night when we played in Asheville, even though everyone was socially distanced, like we were hanging out in Grants, I feel like I really, on that particular show, was able to kind of reach out and play with the audience very well. In, in, a, in a way different than everybody there before. Yeah, the pe- I played with the people. It was like you can see directly outside in that place. It's, it's like a lot of, it's almost like a three walls kind of 
there's a machine. So then you just open it this up side, here. right, and right behind you, there's a glass that they can look into. So oh. I was like, I would get the people outside pumped up too. So they were looking at your butt the whole time. Yeah, they could have been. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe good for them. To they they could. I mean, that's their choice. I mean, <laughs> I, I would. No, I'm just kidding, dude. Now it, it was fun, like just um, bringing people together while being apart. I think it can be done as far as like. Everybody doing the same thing, but not being right up on each other. Yeah, right up on each other. So that's shoulder that's shoulder. that was a way that kind of the other night I was like, oh, that was really cool. We everybody kind of felt like they were in on it. Like, you know what I mean? That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that because that's you know, I've seen I've seen events like that. You know, just couldn't get a group going because everybody was distant in some form or fashion, physically, yeah. mentally. It's just I feel like this state of society right now is really difficult to find that that energy in the room. Which is why we're here. Yeah. Why we're here in this time and, and moment is that yeah. we're needed. We really are. And, and Seriously. Yeah. And the, like I said, one of the reasons I'm doing this is to help people connect to the things that they would there you go. find otherwise. And and it's just an, another outlet for people to find entertainment or find, I don't know, they want people to find things that they enjoy that it's kind of hard to do sometimes when you've got to socially distance at the bar and mm-hmm. there's music playing or you know what what have you there's there's some friction there that can get in the way and it's difficult to work around or work with at times and i can only imagine being a, a musician right now because it's hard enough for me being you know behind a set of paintings in a time like this i can only imagine how difficult it is for somebody that's performing music in that mm. much less if you travel god forbid where you're going what's the stuff like there you know expectations be damned mm-hmm. um, you know this this isn't easy stuff that goes behind it what's going on you have to figure it out what's going on yeah absolutely <laughs> i can only imagine um what are the rules in this venue again all that no breathing no dancing <laughs> yeah yeah no thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you do, do not think that's bad <laughs> no breathing no thinking no shut your eyes the entire time and do that <laughs> by hand. <laughs> Just do that. You can't touch nobody with that. No. Uh, it's so a sensory, de- sensory deprivation thing. Dude, I did that. Did you do it? While I was in Japan. And if you've not done it again. I have done it one time. It's just. In Nashville, actually. Before I moved there. Just watch a Netflix movie. I've only done it one time. I just wanted to. It just seemed interesting. And it's like, you know, what would it be like to not feel anything? Or would you still not be smelling, tasting? You know, sensory deprivation like it is, yeah. right? I painted a whole painting in my head when I came home from Memphis and ended up painting it. Nice. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so did you have a good experience or willing to repeat it? Or Oh, uh, it, to me, I felt like it felt like when you were in there and you were lying down that if if I felt like I was had moved like to the right a little bit, it felt like I was I would just continually move right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It felt like I was just spinning yeah. and spinning and spinning, well which I could have moved to the middle. Weightless middle. feeling is something else. Although I did have a little taste of salt water in my mouth or whatever, I was like, "Ooh, I can yeah, taste, I can taste it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel it, but I taste it. <laughs> See, uh, well, I think about the only sensation that I really got was the fact that I could smell the saltiness in the air when I breathed, you know, and I could hear the salt, the salt crystals growing on my hair, kind of. <laughs> not, not that I could literally. It's a strange hear solution. It. Yeah, it, and it's the the salt water is so dense, like. Uh, the solution of salt is as dense as a solution of salt in the water you just got drunk. 
because you can't add any more salt to this water here. And that's why you you're as a person sitting float on it. so well. Well, it's like, like, yeah, you're just weightless because there's so the water is so dense with salt on it that you float in the way that you do. It's just a mechanics difference. But I could hear like the edge of the water on my hand. Like I just oh, knew yeah, the yeah. salt was crystallizing when it would come up and evaporate and then my hair would move around in the water. And I could just hear yeah. the crystals in my hair like clanking together. And it was so strange. But it wasn't a distraction. It was just one of those weird things I could I could notice in that environment that I would never be able to notice in any other environment. Literally every other scene of it ever. Mm-hmm. So I had a good time. Just me and my yeah. brain for 90 minutes with total visual nothing and auditory nothing. No lights, no touching, nothing. I like it. I, yeah, I I I felt less as less enthusiastic, but I did still really like. It. I just haven't thought about it. Anymore. I, I forgot that I'd done that. Yeah. Until you mentioned it. Uh, you know, also the fact that I really like got out of there and I felt super like in my body because I, I hadn't done anything with my body for ninety minutes. Like there was no weight on my spine. I didn't have to like scratch my ass. You know, yeah. like <laughs> there's there, there's nothing. And you know, I got out and my back felt great. My feet didn't. Like, I've been walking around Denver all day, all week, and mm-hmm. I just didn't feel lean or really strange. Like, you know, you wake up in the morning, you feel good, you put your feet on the ground, your spine compresses and all that stuff, and blah, blah. But it's just, it's it's funny to feel weight again after you've felt weightless. Just how everything hangs on your body, you just become more aware of it in any situation. Uh, there was, what's his name, John C. Riley, the guy that pioneered the... Uh, mm tanks he's a really interesting character you know what i mean just like i think he was one of the uh i mean like he was like uh, you said john c riley and the first thing that thought of was the office look that up real quick i think that's his name i'm not sure look we're, it up. we're gonna find out or or uh, something like john riley but he he was like they did an interview of him and he was like yeah he was slim chap and he was like a professor at university of denver and he's just an interesting <laughs> character <laughs> and but he pioneered the, I think it was like a therapeutic sort of, initially that's what he began as, and then kind of like, it seemed like he was taking a lot of drugs. It seemed like he was, you know, uh, since that's what he said. In John Lilly. John Lilly, okay, yeah. John Lilly. John Lilly. Um, uh, drugs and and uh, sensory deprivation tanks, in a lot of people's interpretation would go hand in hand, um. but, you know, a lot of people that do that, it's just a health practice. Do a whole lot of drugs. They might do yoga pretty hardcore, but mm-hmm. like, it's I don't feel as if a drug experience and sensory deprivation tanks are mutually exclusive. I mean, the clothes are ice and edibles is a one in the mind, but it wasn't earth shattering. And I would happily repeat the scenario stone cold sober with no inhibitions whatsoever. But uh, I don't think that's necessary. It's just one of those things that people can do both ways, sober or, or some oh degree yeah, of. Anything. Some degree of fucked up, you know, <laughs> whatever you choose. Uh, that I feel like if you know what you're doing, regardless of what substance you walk in there with, you're going to come out with some sort of positive something that scares the crap out of you and stirs things up in your life. Because, you know, drugs are crazy. They're, they're real crazy. Mm-hmm. But they're not inherently bad. I feel like. Trinidad to Colorado, there was a parallel. I went to Trinidad, and you were talking about Denver for a second. 
I was like thinking about this place called Trinidad, and I met this poet down there named uh, Raggio. It was the first time I ever went to Moscato, but I'm the best. Y'all the best. Well, that's an opera. Oh, gosh. Dude, come to the uh, Santa Fe Forest Center. I mean, like we were talking about a second ago, coming back home. Like, I don't know if I would appreciate home if I hadn't been here. Y- you know, like you, like you said, you don't fit in or you want to get out or be different. It's like, well, when you do get a chance, you, like when you came back and you saw, you think about the music that was there. You're like, I wish I could take a little trip and yeah. see it, but I had to get out to see it. But uh, anyway, Trinidad and Raggio are like, pretty sure Raggio was sort of one of these characters that looked like he'd been sensory deprivation tank for a long time or something. <laughs> he was just like very unique, you know, everything. He would clap after he would say certain things. He'd be like, you know, he would be either proud of what he was saying or agreeing with something. He'd be like, you look like a John C. Riley kind of character. Or John Lilly. John Lilly kind of character. There's something about a person being out there. Somehow you can get that from them. Yeah. <laughs> like it's that look in their eyes like, what are you doing to me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's all they need to say, you know. It's I like those people. I like finding those people because they're kinda if, rare. If what they they are kind of rare is what if you listen to them talk, they're either way off the deep end or they have some really insightful shit to say that you need to decode in your own brain. I call I call that uh, truth and jest. Yeah. I like like you know when there's just some. There's been plenty of times where I, after a gig and like you know there's a drunk guy babbling about you know he doesn't even know what he's saying but he's like talking to me and I'm like yeah you know sometimes if you if you listen close Early. there's some truth and jest Early. in there. They get you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know not just that but like people that are you know not quite right or whatever the thing is. When I see something that resonates with me, or I'm like drawn to it, I, I take that notion and I, you know, go with that. That's why I feel like after a while, you see so many of those signs where you're like, "Man, I'm sp- I'm supposed to be doing this." Like it feels like it feels like so many times where I've just gone where the path has led. But the characters like that that you find along the way are down, you know one in a million. I'm sorry, about oh, to say down a dozen. Just the opposite. Like <laughs> because you know you're not going to get that experience. Experience. Else. And the next person that comes up and talks to you is just like, I'm probably not going to get that experience for sure. And it's it's one of those things. It's it's one of those in the moment things you have to appreciate because they're appreciating themselves at the time. Shit, man, I remember what that guy said. And it just now clicked. Like six months after hearing it and realizing mm-hmm. it. And it just, and it clicked. And, and, and when those things happen, like it's one of those things where you can remember where you were and what you doing when that idea hit you across the table and you're like, yep. <laughs> it's just one of those funny things that's almost like trauma in a way where you're just like, <gasps> it almost hits you. Like, but it leaves such it a mark. It doesn't be so simple, can it? But it leaves such a mark on you that you just, there is a time stamp in my brain of when this thing happened and I remember it. Just put some water on it. Yeah, just put some water on it. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those. You're like, Simple, but obvious and right. And you, and you know, I can. And it reflects in a bigger picture. Like, yeah. hey man, and take I can it easy. Take that, or oh dude, just go out and kick it down. I can take those bits of information that deep. Go to the next note. And expand, and go to the next note, and expand into a different life scenario, and just be like, you know what? Maybe that's not what matters to me. And so we'll just big picture this. Just 
maybe that's not like a you know I don't forget to look at it differently but no caught up in that You against you. I was listening to Sly Stone talk about that. He was just like, which it is. It's because if if you're not, um, especially the, as artists, if you're not, there, like I said, we're not operating on our brain. Not that we're any less valuable or something, but like in the, we're we're creating something that you know. It, it doesn't have to be. Judgment. Ju- we yeah. I stop myself a lot of times from doing things because of judgment or. And it's not like I stopped myself from doing it because I could kill somebody or because like right. because my move could you know I'm gonna like That's smash somebody with some like heavy machinery. You know? Hey, can you still move your guitar? Yeah, all right, cool. Adam, I'll take it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, it's just one of those things. I w- do it, artists. Do it. Yeah, I really, I really try to get out of my own way sometimes because I find doing anything. I guess being too present sometimes and not being loose and in the flow can really kind of hinder what you're trying to do, whether you realize it or not. So take metaphorical hands off of things usually happen. And that's kind of what Ethan said a little bit yesterday. Kind of, I had one of my little meltdowns. And uh, he, he said it's one of those things in his creative output where if he just gets sets up and puts his pen on the paper and does it, then there is a thing that happens that, you know, that you can either learn from or build upon or there's a thing that happens in his creative expression that can only happen through that. Like if you're forcing yourself to do it or you have some other constraint or you just have a desire to sit down and do the thing, the value is in the action of doing it. You can think mm. about it all day. You can plan for it, but if you don't sit down and do it, money talks, bullshit walks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be real. Yeah, it's got to be real. And it's got to do it. You got to try it instead yeah. of. And if it doesn't, and if it doesn't pan out, then it doesn't pan out. But you still did the thing, and there was benefit and payback for from a personal standpoint. You didn't learn from it. You went and did it. Oh, big, yeah. big time, yeah. big, big picture. What'd you learn? What'd you learn? Yeah. What we're all here for. <laughs> Everybody does. Because, you know, if I was showing art I made a decade ago to people that have seen my art and they're like, who is Kevin Hawkins? I'd be like, oh, there's the thing. There's such a clear distinct uh, art is different quality and skill and workmanship in front of me. Now, eight, You're developing ago, as artists. Isn't that so I cool? Mean, but every day. And yeah, because I you do it every day most of the time or do it enough to like have a consistent stream of consciousness about what you're doing to be able to pick apart the things that you've done and make them better because you do it a lot. I feel like one thing that scared me uh, about the physical world, they say like around 25 your bones stop growing and I'm like, oh, I thought, oh shit, I'll never learn anything again. Like I'll be like 25 and I'll be like, oh, this is all I know for the rest of my life. <laughs> this is all I know, dude. No, you just stop learning. That's it. No, uh, so I, I never have. I'm so do you ever? I pulled twenty-seven. Do you ever <laughs> walk in a room and are happy to be there with no one else? 
every time. <laughs> yeah, for real. Right now. <laughs> Come on. Uh, no, it, and that's that's one of the things I would do definitely that. try to do because I've been in a lot of scenarios with an abundance of people in my immediate vicinity that are infinitely smarter about expanding than I am. So Nobody can be you. Exactly. Uh, like you were talking about earlier. But, but what were you saying? You know, there, if you know when to shut your mouth and just listen, you can come out ahead because, I, like I said, I've been in a room with lots of intelligent people, and all I needed to do was shut up. And if I wanted to learn something, all I had to do was shut my mouth. Just listen to those guys talk. Listen, listen to those people talk, you know, and I'll pick something up that I understand and can, and can dive into from that perspective, and I can expand on that. When I worked at Buffalo Motors, all these, you know, chemical engineer guys, polymer engineers, mechanical engineers, designers, all these guys, I would just sit there and listen to them talk to each other about things that I was interested in. Just material science, thermodynamics, and all that stuff. It's incredibly informative if you just sat around and watched experts talk about it. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there and listened. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much about stuff that I've added into my own artistic expression and work flow that I would have never picked up anywhere else except maybe a classroom. But, you know, I'm not going to school for that. So the best thing I can do is listen to really capable men or mechanical engineers talk about it. And that's just it. That's all I can do as far as that goes. So what, what would be – I have a question. What would be your advice to, to a young artist? What would be – if you look, if you were – maybe I only talk to yourself or maybe just like – some youngster who's like, you know, probably maybe about to graduate high school or is inconfident about trying to be an artist or trying to take a piece of art that they well, like have an expression. Had, okay, let's, let's act like I'm going to speak for myself okay. at, at 19. I'm 29 now. I'll be 30 this month. So if I could talk to the 19, almost 20-year-old on this, I would tell him to just go try shit because if you're that age – you haven't done much. There's a lot a person can do, but no matter, I feel as if no matter what, you're at that age, you haven't done a lot yet. And you're still not the person you're going to be. And you're you're always evolving as a person, but at this point, mm-hmm. you're still working on the person you're going to be as a young adult. I would just say, hey, Thomas, you know, if there's something you want to go try and you're not hurting anybody, go do it. Like artistic-wise, like mm-hmm. – it's there's so many mediums and so many different things out there and you're never going to know where you find yourself and expand at until you try it like mm, uh, Indian ink and watercolor is something that I've always kind of skirted I've always been super interested in I've read the book The Tao of Watercolor like I don't know at least twice mm-hmm. over the last six or eight years but it's not and it's something in theory I have a good understanding of but haven't practiced a lot but it's one of those things i know i can lose myself as a as a hobby doing or as as a another tool in my arsenal as an artist but i would never know that without looking at every like the first time i jump in eyes first eyes first yeah for sure the first time i made uh you know a thing that really characterizes my style now as a geometric quote-unquote psychedelic visionary artist whatever you want to say it like Mm -hmm. i took a shape on a piece of paper i drew out you know six straight different circles that make a radially symmetric figure and i took a fucking pitch pen and this piece of paper and i put it to the middle 
and I traced that around each one of those positions, and all of a sudden I had a regular zip and all of it. And it was like four colors, and it was super simple. But if you were to see that piece now and see a lot of the stuff, I'm, or see that piece then and make a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff I make now, like the lineage is there, direct influence. Like this theme has carried. But the skill at which I employ it and the technicality of it and the tools I use to execute it within this theme have all become more uh, technical, advanced. Uh, you know, they've just amplified it. And it's easier for you to do it. I mean, it's yeah, easier oh yeah. for you to do it. And and it's and my brain has sort of tuned itself in a way through practice to think about these designs in some ways mm-hmm. that I can expand upon and create a whole image. Creating design. your own style. Yeah, sometimes you only need to create a quarter of an image or a sixth of an image to create a pattern that you're working with. The symmetrical things. If you look at that piece right over there on the wall, it's got four quadrants. It's radially symmetric, but it's in four pieces. I work my head in quadrants, you know, as I was painting this piece, uh, the one above the, the the canvas or the under the oh, sorry, I see yeah, no, that one, but uh, that will apply to the other one down the hallway too. But uh, you know, I just I had basically one square in my brain that I was working with, and then when it comes to actually painting and filling out, I painted that square and then three more going out in each direction. So, you know, in that in that instance learning how to compartmentalize is a really helpful for some of these super complex designs that I come up with because I, I don't have to think about the big picture I can think about the quarter of a picture or the sixth of a picture or the eighth mm. of a picture and then understand that, that I can repeat that or I can expand on it so that minor variances on the whole is one that I want to reflect something you just said. So when you just talked about like a little piece, a smaller piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle, um, I feel like when you're talking about that, when I f- relate that to music, I think of like, well, one, one, of, the, one of the ways I was taught when I first came to school, like, get 12 notes and 16 beats. Like throw water on it. <laughs> Go to the next note. It's simple. Some of the yeah. simple, and then in the simplicity, very complex at the same time. But with little pieces, what I try to do with the heat is like do things that are so obvious that you just like one night when we were rehearsing the other night, I was like, "Hey, everybody, just play quarter notes." And when we did that, like quarter notes are the bread and potatoes, or whatever. <laughs> meat potatoes, the bread and potatoes, <laughs> the meat and potatoes of music. And it's like, "Hey, everybody, just play quarter notes." Like, don't, don't like think so about it too much. Just, just junk, junk, and we all started. And it was like, we tried that when we played on the stage, and it was like everyone. <laughs> they just looked at us like, and all we did was play quarter notes. Like everybody played, like they everyone instead of going like, it was like, and everyone like did dynamically shifted. But with your painting, it's like you just do like a little piece and you do it over and over and over again, and you look take your step back and look at it. Oh, the simple is just beautiful, magnificent. And that being, you know, all handmade, each each brushstroke is its own individual piece because there's no way in hell, I as as someone who can considerably wield a brush that I can recreate a brushstroke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the pinstriping that I try to do, uniformity and and uh, and symmetry are extremely important. And line weight and curves and all the things, symmetry as best as you can get. And I don't care if you pinstripe it. I don't care 
those two lines are the same, even though it's the same line, and it's time for something else because these are extremely similar. And if you don't put them side by side, you'll never be able to tell they're not the same. Mm. They're just not, and they can't be because there's so many factors at play. It just, it's impossible. Yeah. And uh, even a robot with the same breath can't do the same two steps. Like it just, it's just no way. Which is incredible too, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, I, I play with robots. I, I have a 3D printer. Like, mm-hmm. I can print two things, and they should be, in theory, identical, but they're not. Because, you know. Similar, but. They're, they're extremely similar, and if you didn't know how to look at it, you wouldn't know. Same thing with, with man, what you just said is like a huge. Just because, you know, this things can appear a certain way, and it's easy we compare ourselves a lot of times society to somebody else because we think they're the same thing. But really, the truth is, there's no one like you. There's mm. just really, there never will be, and there never was. Like, so while you're you're out there, if you want to live your life, go ahead and do it because it's Ain't uh, nobody else gonna live your life. No one's gonna live your life. You only get <laughs> one of them, man. You know, like, and that, and that's and that's kind of the way I think my approach. Like, I'm the only person that makes art like I make. You're the only person that makes music you make. Yeah. Not literally, no one else on the planet can do it because they're not you and they're not me. They can't do it. Bottom line, they could sing, they can dance, they can they can paint, they can do the things, but they just can't do it the way that you do it. There's only one of you, only one of me. And that's the special thing about it's special. And and sometimes people recognize it, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're oblivious to it, or even refuse to recognize it. But no matter what, it can't happen. You know, it just that's not how. As as far down as you want to boil this equation, it just doesn't make sense. And on the great. one, uh, not on the one. Uh, that I I really enjoy knowing that that type of thing ex- exists in the world, and there's Me absolutely too. nothing we can do about it. Because lot I mean, I like it. I just I like it. I think it's absolutely essential to it. And you know, we as are, but if there were more of them would be less interesting and less entertaining because I'm just not yeah even though no one could do it like you do even exactly if they copied you to a T and did everything it, it, it would be never be you never be the same as complimentary as that would be <laughs> but it's happy about it and I guess I could sum up I mean be being upset about it sounds like it's pathetic that's all I'm saying no I would rather be me. I mean, I I had to say funny that you brought that up. I've had that thought the other day where I was like, it's really powerful that there's only one of me ever. Yeah. And you know, it's not. Some people would hear that statement and think that's like a like narcissism or something, but more like it's the truth. The creator, you know, made one of me at every. Yeah. I, I mean, I and then they broke the, the mold. He's just like, you know what? This is me. Gone. <laughs> broke it. <laughs> I, I, I'm. It's empowering when you figure that out. Nobody's gonna wave a brush. Nobody's gonna pluck a string. Like nobody's gonna do that. You can't. You gotta do it as a. Even you try, you can't. It's yeah. I I rejoice in the fact that there are people out in the world that make art like I make, but even being as happy about that as I am, I still have to understand that nobody else is gonna do it. That's just it. It's special. No one can tell your story. I mean, that's just. That's wild to me, man. I mean, just to think that there's so many people, so many fingerprints, so many people that existed forever and will exist, and it's like, you get your shot, better do it. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, like, 
take that. Why not do the thing? This guy's best Why show. Not? Why not? Especially back with artists. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, brain surgeons. Do your, they can probably your tell you why not. <laughs> when you get when you're painting and uh, when you get with the brush, don't not with a scalpel. Okay. <laughs> so man, who are some who are some people you would like to listen to? Man, like your local, regional, Nashville, Knoxville, East Tennessee, it doesn't matter. Let's who you got? Who you want to hear? Who people I want to hear? Um let's see. My friends, the Young Fables, Laurel and Wes. I think you may have seen them play. I have seen them play. I think they're they're super interesting. Uh, Nashville's got so many people. Lily May. Uh, I mean, everybody that I've run into, like if I got their own unique story. I mean, I love. Gosh, I mean the cowpokes in Nashville doing their thing. I mean, there's like. Um. I mean, let's see, Knoxville. Mark English is a great. Artist Kelly Grosko. Um, let's see. There's a lot of poets. Um, let's see. Artists like Daje. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a lot of really good music going on right now. I think there's about to be some music in a band that I'm in. Uh, the Reflectors. They're new. The, the, the whole group of people right there are some, I wouldn't say underrecognized, more like. A lot of a lot of side men going on that are writing some really good music for the first time on their own, and it's like it's really cool. Well, keep me posted on that. Uh, I will, and we're going to be doing some stuff coming up. Uh, we're playing actually a gig on the 11th, March 2021. Somebody hears this in six more years. Yeah, yeah, uh, 2021. Yeah. Like us blunt. <laughs> you remember right after the 2020 year? Yeah, right after. Woo-hoo! We made it out. But yeah, that's uh, beautiful. Robinella, I love Robinella. I love Cruz Contreras. Cruz, thank you for taking me to Stanley Idaho this summer <laughs> with you. Check out Cruz if you ever get a chance to run, interview him. He's great. Uh, man, it's a lot of folks. You know, the good part about asking those questions is I can have it written down, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So if I forget what somebody says, I can just like skip to the end of this and have it like, oh, yeah, they said these people. Mm-hmm. I need to contact these people. <laughs> yeah, try it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's. but I, I will – I will have to uh, write those names down and stuff like that. Definitely. Just in case you've arrived at whatever point I'm in or whatnot. Uh, Josh O'Keefe, Brandon Burkadal, those are two other Nashville dudes. Josh O'Keefe and Brandon are two dudes. And Tim Tim Bolo, like Sarah Farrell, like a lot of good stuff anyway. Well, if you you drag any of your Nashville uh, homies down here, then we'll have to sit down and have lunch with them at some point. We will. That would be a good time. I knew we'd eventually be able to do this in real yeah. life. So. I really want to do uh, real soon. We can have conversations about art with different uh, with different media artists as well. Just to all sit around and talk about how are we paralleling this sea and chess. That's important. That having that just yeah. But for now, it's just a lot of really party one-on-one conversations yeah so uh ashley thank you very much i greatly look forward to this dude i also greatly enjoyed it and am pleased to be graced with your presence and have recorded this in perpetuity and be out on the internet in a couple weeks so people can know you thank you man i really thank you thomas i really appreciate you and go way back we do go back way forward but hell yeah way forward (laughs) and uh how how 
how can people find you on the internet? Uh, Ashton Natural Heat is my Instagram. The Natural Heat Band is uh, my YouTube. Could be changing in the near future, but it will be on the same. Look up the Natural Heat and follow that. Um, there's a Facebook link um, or Facebook page. But I the put Natural all this Heat. Stuff in the show thank you. It'll, it'll be there. Yes. Natural Heat and Ashton Brown or Ashton. If you're in Knoxville, look around on any street pole, and I have an Ashton Brown sticker. Still working with the name kind of concept, you know, throwing well, it out there. But well, anyway. I'll tell you, I was taking a leak at, at Marley's a couple <laughs> yeah, weeks ago. <laughs> you sent me that. <laughs> yeah, I was taking a leak at Marley's, and I go to wash my hands, and I look up, my buddy Ashton in that reflective tracksuit I was telling you about earlier is just the still picture, the JPEG from the, uh, the Working Man's Face mm-hmm. video, and just like staring back at me in the mirror, and I was just like, oh, man, this is great. <laughs> They're everywhere in Knoxville. I love it so much. Uh, and, you know, there's there's a couple people that have slaps and stickers and stuff up around town, and I'll be somewhere, and I'll see it, and I'll just kind of start laughing. And that one got me good. It got me so good. So I was like, that's my buddy Ashton right there. Oh, I love him. Like, it was just awesome. I, I had, so I had to take a Snapchat of that and make some awkward statement about how you were staring at me in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, was, I, I see all of that. I couldn't pass it up, dude. I really couldn't pass it up. So uh, thank you very much. We're going to end this out. I'll play us out. And, uh. Peace on the mic. I love you so much. Love you too, Thomas. You're the best, man. Appreciate you. That was the show. I hope you enjoyed. All the relevant social media and website links will be in the episode description for the featured artist today. And if you yourself or know an artist that you would like to be or see on the platform, Shoot me an email. It'll be listed somewhere on here. I'll try to make it plainly evident for you. But uh, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.